Welcome to the Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, Kate Finks. All right, we're back. Episode 75. And we got a special guest, my sister and artist, Monica hey. McGee. Give it up. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> All right. We'll get right into it. Um, ask a little bit. Uh, we'll ask her a little bit about herself. Uh, Monica, uh, we understand you're an artist. Yeah. So can you break down uh, how you develop art, what you do, X and Y? Okay, well, I'm Monica McGee, and I am one of your co-hosts, big sister. Um, I go by the artist name of Mikaso. That comes from my name being Mo for short, and Picasso being my favorite artist. I love Picasso because there is beauty in simplicity, and there's also beauty in chaos, which is some things he's known for, and that speaks to my brand. Uh, sometimes we overcomplicate Things and some of the most simple things are the most beautiful. And if you've seen my art, you'd understand. It looks like something that's very straightforward, but there's so much loaded into the message. 100%. All right. Um, I also have a signature style of painting from behind because I believe your best life's in front of you. Don't look back. The business and the brand, the Mikaso Experience, which is also the MikasoExperience.com. It all started out of depression. I don't even know why. When I was really depressed and I was looking for outlets for it to come out, I started painting. Uh, but uh, there's a couple companies, and since they're not cutting me a check, I won't mention them. <laughs> but, I, but I kept going to them and purchasing canvases and purchasing paint. But it was something about that that when I was painting, that was helping me not think about and deal with what I was really hurting from. Um, I was in one of my most broken states. But what ended up happening is a cousin of mine, Came over one day and in my third bedroom, which was like a studio that had just kind of been junked up, came in, saw my work and said, oh, my gosh, uh, maybe we should try to put this out there. And I refused. I was embarrassed. But fast forwarding award winning artists, I've been featured in five going on six different galleries. I have my work sold all over literally the world. My newest customers in China. And I also do speeches for 12 to six, 12 to 18 year olds about positive outlets to deal with anxiety, depression, and stress. Awesome. I think that's the best intro we've ever had. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, what the heck? I can't, I can't even fucking ask you anything else. I don't even know. You put me in a position where I can't even ask any more questions. Yeah, I'm just sitting here like, okay. Yeah. I, like, even the questions I was thinking in my head is just like the next sentence you just answered. <laughs> Right, well, cool. education. We're the podcast now. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I think you've already asked, like answered this mm -hmm. question with all the mm -hmm. stuff you've already said. But like when you're uh, creating art and you're doing a certain piece, like how do you manifest that? Wow, you know what? That is so interesting that you say that. So a lot of my things, I'm, I'm a spiritual woman. I'm a woman of God, and sometimes things come that don't even necessarily match with what I'm feeling in the moment. It's just like a muse appears. Right. So while other people may allow people to inspire them or they'll thumb through the Internet or, you know, look at a similar artist and come up with inspiration, my stuff, it can literally hit me. So I feel like right now I'm painting a picture right now as we're talking in my head. And one day the muse will literally come almost in this like form that no one else can see. It's like there's a muse literally in front of me and I, I paint it. It's almost like cheating. Uh, one of them that I'd like to talk to you about since you asked, remember that movie Black Panther when it first came out? Uh -huh. So I start having this dream about this warrior on a hilltop. 
And every night when I would dream about it, I would get close. Like I would want to have a conversation and touch it. And when I would get right to that point, I'd wake up. And this happened three or four nights in a row. And on like that fifth night, the warrior, I was just standing in place. And the warrior was on a hilltop on a sunset, decides to turn around. And I almost saw its face. And I woke up. And when I woke up, I literally painted for eight hours straight. No breaks, no talking, no eating. Probably took a bathroom break once, I think. But I just went for it. And it was like the image that was imprinted in my mind came out on the canvas. That painting was four foot tall by two feet wide on a gallery wrap, which is about two and a half inches thick uh, frame. And that sold before it even hit the sales floor. Damn. Yeah. awesome. Yeah, and it just came from the warrior. We all have a warrior within us. We just need to remember to tap into it sometimes. 100%. We lose the battles, but we won't necessarily lose the war. We keep fighting. That's cool. Have you? Did you hear about art therapy before you started this thing? You know what? I did not. But one of my goals and dreams, and stay tuned for this, I have a sister in the Junior League, shout out to the Junior League, um, <laughs> that works for children's. And I desire to to assist, even if it's on a volunteer basis at first, as an art therapist for the kid, the cancer, the kids with cancer wing, and their parents to do art therapy, mm-hmm. just create. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so excited about that. But guys, art is so healing. I also have a company, and one of the things I do is kind of like the painting with a twist, not shot in the mouth like that, but like that's what people know because that's such a big brand, a national brand. But I have my own, and it's a mobile service. And so I go and do parties, but when I do the parties, it doesn't matter what we're painting. People just, their moods change. Mm -hmm. Painting, you don't know what people are going through. 100%. And sometimes just creating freely it just changes things. So yeah, art therapy, I didn't even know it existed, but it saved my life. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Art is one of the only things where you can just sit down and dive into it and mm-hmm. do it for hours and hours mm-hmm. and yeah. get lost. Yeah, you can. And you know, I want to say something too, especially for all my creatives, whether you are a rapper, a singer, a dancer, uh, an, a visual artist, A lot of times we are too scared to put a dollar amount on what we do Mm -hmm. because for us, it's our gift and it comes so naturally. It's priceless, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Don't get discouraged. My brother and I had this big conversation, not to segue, about getting shocked or excited when people like what you do. Put your work out there if it's good. And it's and it's acceptable. It will speak for itself. 100%. You don't have to defend your craft. Right. Um, you know, some people are gonna be with it, some won't. But don't ever stop. You mm-hmm. know, I'm a fan of your podcast. You know, for so many reasons. I'll speak. I don't know if I, I don't want to veer off too much, but <laughs> but part of that is Understood. you guys and your craft. It's you 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 do it. You love it. It's a passion, and you really don't give a shit. Who really cares about it? 100%. And, yeah, and that's why it's so good. 100%. I've become a master of not giving a shit. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and that's hard. I still have a little bit of the give a shit factor. Because, <laughs> yes. No, because you got to think that most of my work has come out of pain. So right. when someone kind of discounts it or, you know, you, you're selling your prints or your art and they want to discount. Well, could you discount my pain? Can you discount my brokenness? Can you discount my depression? Right. Can you discount my broken relationship? 
Can right. you dis- discount my depression so much that I wanted to take my own life? If you could do the discount that by 50%, you sure the hell can have a deal. <laughs> if not, right. move around. There you go. Shit, man. Yeah, I became a black belt not giving a fuck. And I think you got a couple stripes. You got a couple stripes. Yeah, yeah, couple yeah. stripes I, I, I think Keith is a master. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still the student. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, that's that's we're also we're gonna go back into that and speak more about mm-hmm. uh Monica's art and whatnot. It's kind of weird talking about your sister like she's like a stranger on the bike. <laughs> you didn't have to tell people, you could have just said it was Monica. But yeah, I probably would have said Lil yeah. Weddy, you know. Yeah. Guys out there, his name since he was a yeah, baby so, was Little Weddy. Ooh. Yeah, it was little Eddie because my me and my father had the same name and <laughs> I was smaller, so yeah, it's kind of a no, giveaway. No, little Weddy, W-E-D-D-I-E. That's, like Weddy. You, you're the only person who called me that. <laughs> <laughs> now y'all of your y'all of your fans. Hey, nicknames are embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 uh, the, for all the listeners out there, uh, don't don't be in my mentions calling me little Weddy. <laughs> and it wasn't because he was a bedwetter. It was the fact that at that time I couldn't enunciate my words. So yeah. he's little Weddy, and I yeah. still call him that. He actually responded to that yesterday. When yeah. I called him, so just put that out there. You just get to the point where you're like, "All right, fuck it, I'm little Eddie. What's up?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> My nickname is Roly. Yeah, and oh. there used to be this kid who had terrible English, mm-hmm. um, and he would always knock on the door, and we would try to ignore him the best we could, but he knew we was in there, so he would keep knocking, mm-hmm. and he'd be like, "Where Wody at? Where Wody at? Where Wody at?" Because oh. he couldn't say Roly, he would say Wody. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering like where that name came from. So the so the little guy that couldn't speak English named you. No, no, no. He he was a, he just called me Wody, which is similar to you calling him Weddy. <laughs> little Weddy. Yeah, okay. yeah. My yeah. <laughs> name came from me just being a little chunky kid. So to, to make oh. a long story short, make sure you stay in school, folks. Yeah, yeah. Please, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's move forward here. Right. Uh, unfortunate news to start the podcast off. Um, mm-hmm. Kevin Hart uh, was just recently in a bad car accident. Uh, what, from what the news said, he had a uh, pretty major back injuries. Mm-hmm. We're hoping for him to pull through 100%. Yeah. Um, they said that he actually uh, walked out or he got out of the car and then I guess his security took him to the hospital. Uh, so I guess that's good mm-hmm. news. That's good news. Him and then there was three people in the car. The driver uh, was injured and then he was injured and then the third person was his girl. And she just she said she had some minor pains. So who was driving? I don't know the guy. I don't. He was. He's not famous or anything. Yeah, yeah. He just. Yeah, I I hope the best for everyone, including the driver, because who? I mean, you got to be traumatized if you know you got Kevin Hart in the back and you wreck. It's like in your mind, you're done. Your Uber life is over. Yeah, no more Uber for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think that's an Uber. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's some some rich people shit they got going on. I didn't see exactly. It was early. In the morning, it was like 12-something uh, a.m., mm-hmm. and to me, it sounded like when I first thought it or when I first heard it, I was like, man, maybe somebody was really sleepy coming from a set or, mm-hmm. you know, just working all day. But the way they described it, they didn't mention anything about sleep. They said there was no alcohol involved. And they just said when they were coming around the curve from the highway, the the car just veered off, and it uh, 
went off the road. Yeah. Sometimes there's nothing. Sometimes it's, it could be something small, like you know, your hand could be sweaty and it slips, and the wheel go. It could be anything. Yeah, especially it, coming down a curve or something. Exactly. Yeah. Or you're going too fast for the conditions where mm-hmm. you know you underestimate. That's why it's important to read every road sign. Yeah. If you're going down a hill and it says 40 miles an hour, I would drop it below that just mm-hmm. to make sure you don't. You know, mm-hmm. go too fast, but road conditions could have been a factor or mm-hmm. who knows. But whatever the case, we just hope for a full recovery from Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. All right, switching gears. Uh, Dave Chappelle's comedy special. <laughs> <laughs> this shit was wild. Wow. Yeah. I, and a lot of people were pissed off. Um, I can't really get into too many. Well, there was some, some Michael Jackson jokes and <laughs> other things like that. And, you know, people got pissed off the, 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 uh, the accusers came forward and were like, oh, you know, Dave Chappelle wasn't sensitive, this and that. Yeah. But here's my problem. All you had to do was not watch the fucking show. Yeah. You would have not been offended. Mm. You know, at the end of the day, and, and it's like we, it's almost like we pick we, we pick and choose when and when not to be offended. And it's mm-hmm. like, dude, this is a comedian. You're picking the wrong person. Comedians don't take anything seriously. Mm-hmm. What they do is, is they take these real life situations and they turn them into like, this they turned they turned him into this joke that we could all laugh at because mm-hmm. he said some stuff that we were not supposed to be laughing at but we were laughing it was absolutely. uh absolutely he said uh because uh, what was that was the that baby dicks in the ear yeah he said uh <laughs> was it hbo or was it yeah, was yeah. a special on hbo for michael jackson mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he said hbo had baby dicks in my ear for one hour <laughs> and we was just busting up yeah. and the average person that would not be funny they would not be laughing but i think when you could find a way to um take these serious life situations and turn them into a joke and actually make people laugh. That is a skill. That yeah. is an art. Cause if the average Joe blow said that we would just fucking cast him away. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. how'd you feel about that Keith? Um, to me, it sounded like he, he already knew the backlash was coming. Yeah. So he just went, he just went at it straight head on mm. and I can appreciate that. I think that, you know, he has that, I don't give a, you know, I don't care attitude and, He's really talented at writing. So yeah. he finds a way to make things that aren't supposed to be funny, funny. And as a <laughs> creator and an artist myself, I can appreciate that. Like I'm, I was amazed the whole time. I was like, yo, he's picking on all these things that are, people are being outraged about on Twitter and yeah. Facebook and social media. And he's just striking it head on. So I loved every bit of it. I love how he didn't back down from anything. Mm-hmm. He was yeah. not concerned about being politically correct and there was no left or right side because he wasn't on nobody's side mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. with anything. Um, I really like how he would say things like, well, I'm not supposed to say who it is, but yeah, mm-hmm. their name is this. And yeah. I just thought it was, it was so incredibly done. There was a lot of satire, a lot of politically incorrectness, but there was also a teachable moment, lots of teachable moments. Yeah. There was the one about um, him being censored, whatever the uh, station censored yeah. thing was. That was so powerful. My brother was like, Monica, you really need to listen to this. And it was about him going and talking to the lady. And they said he couldn't say, I mean, the, I guess the F he, word. Yeah, he couldn't say the F word. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you can't say it, right? Like, and yeah. she like was saying that. But he said, okay, so I can't say the F word, but y'all can say the N word. And she said, well, that's because that's not what you are. And he said, but um, I'm also, I'm not a nigga either. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, that, you know, I ain't gonna lie. I My eyes lit up and I clapped a little bit mm-hmm. because it's funny 
how something is is acceptable at one rate and then the other you want to chastise somebody and label them as a basher but mm-hmm. you got people who with um have been oppressed and has used the name to separate and segregate us mm-hmm. for not even just years but even centuries for yeah, that matter right. mm-hmm. and so you picking and choosing when to be politically correct or dope. sensitive is is some is some bullshit and malarkey and i mm-hmm. think that yeah. he covered that that's what the whole the whole special was about yeah 100% that's it it the, what people don't realize they're only mad at him now because the censorship is heightened into right. the, like as the years go on it gets more and more but he's already been doing this like he had to joke about um, how f- old is fifteen years? Re- like fifteen year old, really? When he was talking about the R. Kelly, yeah, the R. Kelly case, and it was, you know, he kind of brought up the fact that there was a girl that, um, basically, like I forget how the joke went, but there was a young girl that was like fifteen years old. She escaped the house by chewing through the rope, and then there was another girl that, um, I forgot. She basically stayed in the house for so many years. I forgot how we tied it all together, but the whole premise was you're treating one fifteen year old like this. Um, and then you're treating another 15 year old like this, you know what I mean? So he's been doing this sort of thing for a while and kind of like walking the line of yeah. politically correct and, you know, making people mad. Yeah. hundred percent. But he's also doing a good job of turning the mirror on you. Yeah. You know, he's making you look at yourself. Just like when he said, uh, he said, I'm going to do an impression. And he's like, dude, I'm going to ruin your life. It doesn't matter if it's 15 years, 20 years from now, I'm going to ruin you. And ain't nothing you could do about it. Who was that oppression of? They was like, Trump, Trump. <laughs> he's like, that's you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was deep. That he was said, deep. you are the most horrible motherfuckers to, this is what I hear when I hear you guys. And basically, he was taking people that go back on Twitter 10 years ago to find right. a bad tweet. Yeah. So it was the, it was his way of turning the mirror on people. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be some people that listen to the podcast and be like, I don't see how you could try to rationalize Dave Chappelle's behavior. Well, I'm going to tell you to go listen to a fucking Christian podcast because this ain't <laughs> this this ain't it. It's comedy, man. It's comedy. You have to look at comedy through a different lens than 100%. any other platform. Yeah. If you don't look at it through a different lens, you're going to upset yourself. Yeah. That's all you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the powerful things I thought he said, he said, you know, Kevin Hart is one of the dopest, uh, you know, um, just best people I met. Mm-hmm. The only thing he is, he they said he is four tweets short of being perfect. Yeah. And for a second, yeah. I didn't think about it. But those four tweets changed something that was a what was a dream for him to a dreaded nightmare. hundred percent. And it's unfortunate that we can be quick to go look for skeletons in other people's closet, but but our shit is full of them, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, you guys went and got back to him. Was it Soul Plane? He wasn't even, he wasn't, that was like before Soul Plane was even popping. Yeah. And you're yeah. going back, people didn't even know how to do Twitter. And he might have thought that, hey, I say some funny shit. Maybe I'll get a couple listeners. Right. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. he's since, I mean, he's a super dad. He's, mm-hmm. you know, he has a, uh, the health thing going on. Yep. He's a philanthropist. Mm-hmm. He put an artist on. I don't know if you guys saw it on um, Instagram. There was a guy. He's like from Africa or something. Oh yeah, and, yeah, and I've he seen that. and yeah, and he did a like he does realism art. He did it for Kevin. I yeah, seen that. And somebody tagged him. He didn't even tag himself. Somebody tagged him and was like, "This guy is dope." Kevin ended up commissioning that guy not only for himself 
purchased that picture and also for some commissions for some of his friends. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So this man went online for a nobody, no contest, nothing, but just wanted to help a brother out who showed love mm-hmm. by painting. So, so you you don't we don't highlight that. We go and think about all the bad shit. Right. Yeah. Right. Man, man. Not only that, let's let's go back. 12 to 15 years on ourselves and look Mm -hmm. at how immature some of the shit we've said. Mm -hmm. I can go back like the memories on my Facebook. I can go back a few years ago. I say like five, six years ago. I'm like, did I really say that shit? Yeah. Did I really say that corny shit? Mm -hmm. Like the Mm -hmm. way I, I think that we evolve every five years. I think that there's like, we, we have a new outlook on life. Maybe if it's not completely, you know, different, but we tend to up, we tend to update our beliefs and I think that we don't give people a chance to grow. We, we like to look back that far and we use that judgment from 10 years ago and we apply it today. Mm-hmm. And that's just fucked up. That ain't right. He's not even the same person. I mean, not his even zip close. code, his bank yeah. account's not the same. His circle's not the same. And you're going to judge a man on that and 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 then really spoil his old opportunity for the Grammys. It was really like a, a, a ghetto boy dream. The Oscars. The yeah, the whole Oscars, mm-hmm. which he would only have been the second African American to Who, host that. Who's the first one? Yeah, it might have been Chris Rock, but I'm. Not I sure. actually think that is correct. I think that's right. But I, you know, I when he made everybody him. feel awkward and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think um, you. We just if you guys are going to do that, you have to keep the same energy. Yeah, the, the, uh-huh. the populace is going to do that. Like we have to treat. We have to look at white people different now because, you know, once upon a time, you guys were, you know, shackling us up and making us pick cotton. Mm-hmm. So are we supposed to walk around and be mad at every single white person? Yeah. You know what I mean? Fuck but- you, Billy. <laughs> 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 yeah. But, you know what I mean? It's we I don't say we should forget the past, but we should be able to be we should able to be able to put that in a certain place. Like, 100%. OK, I understand You've changed. You're showing us that you've changed. You're showing us that you probably have a whole production company like the Heartbeat Productions, and you probably hire you know people from the LGBT community on your staff. And if you you've done millions of movies, and there's no way in the world that you make a movie in Hollywood and there's not someone gay or a lesbian on the hundred percent on the crew. So that's you know it's just stupid at the end of the day. I think the way he the way he handled it. Um, and we talked about this before, but yeah. he could have handled it a little bit better himself. I think he was a person that was trying to be like um, the he tried to look the greatest in people's eyes. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. if he took the Dave Chappelle approach, like no, I'm not apologizing, and mm-hmm. his campaign would have would have been better. But he said he's not going to apologize, like Dave Chappelle mentioned, yeah. and then he actually mm-hmm. apologized. Yeah, so. he went on a mm-hmm. fucking apology tour. <laughs> yeah. Like, look here, um, look, bam. All right, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you guys. Um, I cheated on my wife. All right. Um. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to lie. I did that shit. (laughs) That's what I can appreciate about Dave Chappelle, though, is he he can make fun of, um, you know, people that got allegedly raped by Michael Jackson, but he can also make fun of himself. You know, he talked about, you know, him going to Africa and losing out on all that money. Um, That's what I think is the next step for Kevin Hart because he's been through so much. Um, over the past couple years, if he's able to do that kind of special where he's just solely reflecting on himself and he he has that same he doesn't have to he's not a comedian like Dave Chappelle, but 
a similar tone where he just doesn't care about what anyone says, I think that could be some of his best material. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to happen now. I think that this injury, this is just theory, not saying it's real. This injury that happened to him, he's going to have a new leash on life. I think that mm-hmm. you hurt yourself, you almost die, and he's going to be thinking like, uh, I'm not. I'm not afraid of these motherfuckers. Yeah, right. Like I'm gonna say what I want to say. Like I'm Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. You know. So if he does that, if he jumps on the unapologetic road that some of these comedians are doing, especially like Andrew Schultz. Yeah. Man, it's it's gonna be crazy. Mm-hmm. It's a rippling effect. That's when it. That's what his best stuff was. A lot of people think that his best stuff was years ago when he first started out. You know, when he when he wasn't as popular and. Because he's so popular now, he probably has to censor himself a little bit. Oh, yeah. He can't say every single thing that he wants to because there's sponsorship dollars. There's a whole different audience that's viewing him now. But I think, you know, just getting back to the roots. Like, it's the same reason we always like artists' first and second albums. And then once they get popular and go- start going platinum, we're like, oh, man, it's cool. But I like the first album. Right. It's just because mm-hmm. the audience is wider and you're starting to please different people. But, you know, I think, like you said, something like this could get him back to his roots where, yeah. you know, he's he has a small club vibe and he's going in there just talking about any and everything. 100%. Anything else? I don't know. I just wanted to kind of piggyback. You were, um, you kind of got to talking about the, uh, I guess, kind of the reparations conversation of, of black and whites that only so long ago they were, uh, they, I guess they forget about. Uh, the whole racism thing and I have mm-hmm. a piece called Time for Change mm-hmm. and it's a bunch of warp clocks like all on this tree mm-hmm. also kind of piggybacking off Strange Fruit is where you know they would hang mm-hmm. African Americans and I did that because we have a warped sense of time when it comes time to take accountability for the things we do so yeah. we can we can chastise and put you know allow Kevin to fall on the on the barrel of the gun but we can forget that, you know, y'all openly hung and called us niggas and, mm. you know, shot us with water holes, mm-hmm. uh, disrespected us, mm. you know, as people. But nobody's going back in your Twitter feed or the whatever yeah. they had in the 50s and 60s and throwing that back in you because then it's a, well, when does it end? Mm. That's what I wanted to say about that. So mm-hmm. if we're going to do time, make it relative to mm. the situation at hand and mm. stop digging for shit because if you keep digging, you're just going to dig a dip, deeper hole. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, that's really a complete thought. No, it's cool. <laughs> it's cool. I like when people, like I, like, I love listening, mm-hmm. especially when someone has something very deep to say. That was gold. All right. Mm-hmm. Switching gears. The Straight Pride Parade. Um, Keith, you could give us a little more info on this. I didn't do yeah. it. Yeah, do tell. I didn't see. I couldn't find as much information as I wanted to, but it seemed like it was not that many people. Um, a bunch of straight, uh, I guess, straight people, which was essentially a bunch of people wearing MAGA hats and Donald Trump T-shirts. They basically, I guess, and it was only, they, I read that it was only a few hundred people. Yeah. But I guess they were just walking through Boston and... It got a little crazy. I guess there were some people from the LGBT community. They were out there protesting against the people that were protesting. And there were also, uh, <laughs> it was like, Mar- <laughs> there was marshals walking by, uh, by the sides of the people. And they had, 
uh, it was like basically like homecoming where they had the floats and stuff out there. And oh my god! Yeah, it was pretty crazy. But I don't know. I, to me, I don't want to. If I was a person from the LGBT community, I wouldn't even give this energy because yeah. it was so. It wasn't even a real thing. Nah. It's not like people are lining lining up across America and they're doing this. It's just a few hundred people inside of Boston that are walking, you know, walking a few miles and, you know, just showing their ass, basically. It, <laughs> it, it was funny, too. Some literally. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> what's crazy to me is is the fact that um, we can't let people have their day or what they're doing. If you want to have a straight pride parade, let them do it. If you want to have an LGBT parade, let them do it. But now it's just it's just people love opposition. They love mm-hmm. to battle each other when it's unnecessary, mm-hmm. you know? So the, yeah. the straight pride parade, first of all, I think that the LGBT parade, parade is probably way more lit than the straight one. Cause the straight <laughs> one is like, I love my wife. <laughs> the LGBT one is like, yes, turn that music out. <laughs> I love my wife. <laughs> hey, can you imagine? We kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. Can you imagine like the straight pride parade and then like, you know, LGBT show up like, stop, <laughs> stop, get out of the street. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my wow. goodness. Yeah. But yeah, it's lame, man. If if and what it is, too, is it's it's basically agitation. It's an agitation parade. Let's call it what it is. They're trying to agitate the LGBT community. Yeah. LGBT had their own parade. Let them do their thing. Like, why are you so concerned about what gay people are doing? They're minding their fucking business. Yeah. But you got to have a straight parade. Yeah. <laughs> just fucking be straight. Why do you... <laughs> the fuck do you need a parade for? <laughs> I love my wife. I'm so dead. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. <laughs> fuck out of here. I guess for me, I try to figure out, you know... Why and how has it become so important who somebody lays with at night and who they love? You know, in some cases, you know, there are people who looking at them, you know, on a regular nine to five, you wouldn't really know one way or another. You Mm -hmm. could have your theories, but it shouldn't be enough to distract the workday. So is it like, hey, my name is my name is Donald. I can I I have five years of this experience and that. And by the way, I have a husband. Okay. Mm Is that necessary? Right. And then, and I'm not saying that you should feel obligated not to say anything like you have to keep it private. But, hey, you know, I'm very straight, but I'm not going to tell you, hey, OK, I have a boyfriend or, or right. I'm engaged. Like if it's not necessary or pertinent to share. Right. Why the fuck is it a point <laughs> of conversation? Yeah, that's the part that gets me. I think that's the most frustrating thing, you know. I can't even really share what my my vantage point on it is. The only annoying part for me is that you live and you be great. You do you. You live your best life, but you don't have to force what you feel, how you feel, who you love on me. 100%. And that's really all it is. I I'm not going to chastise you. I'm not going to, you know, stop talking to you being your friend, but whoever you are dating, Whatever it is you believe in that, whatever, you know, there's some people do all of it, yep. you know, and, and, and I still feel the same way. Mm-hmm. You That doesn't affect my bottom line, my household and who I'm dealing with. As long as you ain't messing with who I'm dealing with. And if you are, you can keep that nigga. I'm just <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, can you please just. You know, I think that that's really why they did it. It was to agitate, but to also make a point of this shit is ridiculous Mm -hmm. when you're we're we're having one to share who we are. But then 
they come out and they're upset with them. So then you have to look at it from the other side. That even though it was only 200 people, I think they sent a very powerful message. I'm not saying a MAGA or anything like that, but just looking at it playing devil's advocate. If 200 random MFers can just come out <laughs> and say, we are having a straight parade and it makes national news yeah. or it's click worthy, then they got what they set out for. Yeah. Don't give them that. If you yeah. are a proud LGBT, and I think there's some extra letters now because some new shits come up. Uh, <laughs> if you're that. Elemental P. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I don't mean that in no disrespect. 100%. But what I'm saying is, I don't know enough about what's going on in that to, to, to really judge. But stop letting people, whoever they are, Get your go. You have made a choice, or if you don't feel it's a choice, you feel you're born that way. 100%. Rock. Rock with who you are. You don't have to keep proving stuff to people. I think I think silence sometimes is the loudest that you can speak. Yeah. Because the fact if you guys just didn't show up at all to that shit and just let them look ignorant, right. you would have really sent the message that, hey, we are comfortable with who we are, but if you want to go ahead and mock us, you go ahead and do that, boo-boo, but mm -hmm. we're going to go ahead and destroy what you started by just giving it no attention. Right. But we are we are the kings and queens of copycat, so it's going to start popping up in conservative right. cities now right. because of the way you responded. All you right. had to do was do nothing. Right. It, uh, that's the truth. Um I would like to compare this to something else, but it's mm -hmm. different. When Black Lives Matter came around, mm -hmm. all of a sudden you heard Blue Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. Which one was first? You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So when when the LGBT had the Pride Parade, all of a sudden you hear about this straight parade. The one that comes second is typically the one that's agitating the initial party. Mm -hmm. But like you said, if you don't give that energy then the shit will go away. It's just going to look like a bunch of stupid motherfuckers. Right. You, you can't, there's no such thing as a, as a one-sided argument. And it takes two people. So if you got one motherfucker yelling and one just standing there looking at him, who's the one looking stupid? Right. But so you're protesting the protesters. That shit just gets confusing. <laughs> yeah. So then you're going to have a new set of protesters that's protesting all the motherfucking protesters. <laughs> and we just out here protesting and we don't even really know what the fuck yeah. we showed up for in the first place. So I, I just want to encourage everybody who maybe you guys have jobs or extra money and time to spend doing this silly shit. Can you please stop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because there's a whole lot more going on the road. We got mass shootings, people shooting the shit out of people for no reason. <laughs> we got hurricanes happening. And we still got that motherfucker in office. And we still and we ran out of Popeye's chicken sandwich. And we ran out. They, you 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 folks went and, and just you didn't you didn't upset the 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 lady from New Orleans. She ain't got no more Popeyes for you. No more Popeye. What, what did she say on the commercial? You gonna love my chicken? Uh, I guess we loved it too much. I mean, see, it's just more problems in the world. There is no more chicken. All right, but we got time to be upset about a damn. 200 people parade and that mm -hmm. might they all might have been friends like they could have been getting high like hey don't you think that'd be some cool shit if we go and have a fucking straight parade <laughs> yeah fuck it let's do it on saturday yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you know what i wonder i wonder like if uh, like you could literally stop the parade uh -huh. by just giving everybody popeye's chicken sandwich <laughs> 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 like, oh my God, I hate you guys. Is that Popeye? <laughs> <laughs> yes, bitch. Fuck these protesters. <laughs> I need my spicy. <laughs> what do you uh, think could unite 
the the gay parade and the straight parade? Do you think there's anything? Uh, well, like a common ground? Yeah. What do you think would be the common ground where we could at least be respectful? Mm, man, that's a really good question. There is a common ground. What is the common ground? Popeye's chicken sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I knew some silly shit was coming. Oh. <laughs> uh, Popeye's don't really spend a lot of money on marketing. No, they, they just had the black. The, they had the black woman on there. Like, mm-hmm. I made my Louisiana chicken fried, and I got it in a shrimp bucket. You gonna love my chicken for four ninety nine? Yeah. yeah. No, this wasn't part of the flow. Do you think that that was just a stunt, or was that really a chicken? A, a chicken travesty that we just experienced. It wasn't a travesty. It was a huge success. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they made like $26 million in a week or some shit. That's mm. a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Mm. That's a, it, it, This is like to paint a picture. I know we're going way left, but okay. to paint a picture, like imagine all the chickens just, they just fucking these chickens up. <laughs> <laughs> They just, they they chicken quarter. Yeah, the they're chicken. just they're so frustrated. Like they got to kill all these chickens. They just taking chickens, throwing them against the wall. Like fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> you Chop see them the up. workers? Have you seen the workers? Everybody. The, all the workers so are frustrated. They're so frustrated. I feel bad for the. Yeah. The, I bet you a lot of those Popeyes uh, workers are on suicide watch. Yeah. <laughs> now it's just and they're slow. There's no lines at Popeyes anymore. Yeah, because yeah. they they got the chicken. Well, that's that's what people do. They they yeah. jump on the on the bandwagon and then once Popeye's chicken sandwiches run out, then mm. I ain't seen nothing this crazy since like the Thriller album came out. Yeah, they probably remix that shit with Michael Jackson. <laughs> Popeye's chicken, <laughs> it's just a chicken. Chicken need a bite. <laughs> 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 oh my god Oh, That's Okay wild. that had nothing to do with what we were talking about Sorry. It did not <laughs> But it's okay uh, For everyone that uh, uh, Was in the straight pride parade um, I mean more power to you But more power to the LGBT pride parade also I think um, I just I just hate the, the conflict though 100% Because even at the, the gay pride parade There was people there um, From the straight community Yeah They had signs they said some, One sign said something like Jesus doesn't love what you're doing, but he loves he loves you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, that's maybe as far as some Christians are going to get. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's not out there calling you any sort of homophobic words or anything. He's basically saying, this is what I believe in my Bible. And, you know, I believe what you're doing is wrong, but I still love you. I think that's okay. You know what I mean? I'm not yeah. gay, so I don't know how it feels to be like, hey, Jesus doesn't love what you're doing. But um, I just don't like the conflict. Like I don't, I feel yeah. like a lot of those people are going only to argue. Some people are going to throw stuff or whatever. <laughs> like yeah. if you're just going to, it's almost like the Antifa stuff, you know. Yeah. Out, uh, I think it was like West Virginia or something like yeah. that, mm-hmm. where people were getting ran over by cars and stuff. Yeah. Like just stay home. If it's just like when we were in the twenty one, twenty two, twenty three range. And there was a party, or even like 18 and 19, and there was a party going on, and you knew the niggas from the west side, and you knew the niggas from the east side was going to be there. I just stayed home. (laughs) (laughs) And then they'd be like, hey, man, they just shot my cousin Nookie, man. You're like, "Uh, well, uh, we know a Nookie. Oh, yeah, we do know a Nookie. Shout out to Nook. Oh, wow. So what if (laughs) free shout out today, random names. 
what if, you know, and this has nothing to do with my religion, just playing devil's advocate. What if somebody doesn't believe in God or they're an atheist or they're a Buddhist or something else? Mm -hmm. Is there that same vantage point in all the other religions that if you are of the uh, LGBT community, it's as oppressive? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, do you see Buddhists out there saying, don't do this. It's bad. Buddha doesn't love you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just. Some I mean, are bad though. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, I'm just wondering, or is it this Christianity thing? I think part of it is just because we're in America, right? And most uh-huh. people here are Christian. But if you do go to the Middle East, I don't know what it's like over there, but it could be worse. It could be worse. Uh-huh. Yeah. I burn you. I burn you. They, yeah, they'll push. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like in the in the Quran, I think you mentioned something about pushing people off the mountaintops if they're gay and i've heard of instances where they're pushing people off buildings fucking crazy yeah so yeah people nuts man Mm -hmm. they put too much energy into the uh into opposing yeah this is too much religion is it it's good and bad all at the same time there was a toyota commercial that i was watching earlier and it was pretty cool but I, i feel like a lot of these it was a super bowl commercial and a lot of these Super Bowl commercials are really like pandering nowadays. Yeah. But it was pretty cool because it had a Jewish guy. You know, he left. Um, I don't know what the Jewish church is, but he left that. He hopped in his Toyota. He went to go pick up the the guy from the um, the mosque or whatever the, mm-hmm. uh, the religion or whatever temple they have. And then he picked up the, the Catholic guy from the church. And yeah. they all hopped in the car and, you know, they went to the Super Bowl party. So I thought it was pretty cool. I don't think <clears> it was <throat> inclusive enough. Mm. Because they forgot to pick up the uh, friend with the MAGA hat. Well, this... No, I'm not, yeah, I guess. That's not a religion. But <laughs> I'm just fucking around. Donald Trump got his new religion out now. Yeah. The, the pussy grabbers? MAGA. <laughs> <laughs> MAGA-anity. <laughs> oh, wow. Man. Y'all are right. wild. <laughs> Enough of that. All right. Switching gears. Um, recently, Jay-Z mentioned uh, single-parent household. You think about the idea of uh, growing up in a single parent house, which I grew up in, which you grew up in, and having an adverse feeling for authority, right? Your father's gone, so you're like, I hate my dad. Nobody tell me what to do. I'm the man in the house. And then you hit the street and you run into a police officer. And his first thing is, put your hands up, freeze, shut up. And you're like, excuse my language, everybody. You're like, fuck you, right? So that, in- that interaction causes people to lose lives. I think people are going to give him shit for saying that, but I think that's a very accurate statement. Mm -hmm. I think when you're missing such a pivotal centerpiece of you growing up, it could fuck you up not having a father. I have a lot of friends that their father was not in the house and it was a lot of shit they would be doing and they look at me and they'd be like, man, your dad is at every game, huh? I'd be like, well, yeah, Yeah. he's supposed to be there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just little shit that you don't realize really happens and how traumatizing it could be for other people. Yeah. You know, and I love my dad to death. You know, there's a lot of things he didn't do right, but he was there. That's yeah. True. You know, and you look at a lot of other, especially black men coming up, you know, I don't want to use this as a statistic, but since mm-hmm. you talk about Jay-Z mm-hmm. and I could agree. And also um, the police patrol um, uh, inner city areas more than any place in the world, in, in America, in every city. Yeah. Like they don't be out in the in the well-to-do areas patrolling there. They got cocaine and everything in these areas as well. 
but they always patrol the hood. So you you look at them as like, yo, like I ain't got no dad telling me what to do. I ain't listening to y'all either. Yeah, I didn't do nothing wrong, but even if you didn't do nothing wrong, you're already pissed off. You're mad at the world because you've been abandoned. Yeah, hmm. this this is a really nuanced conversation, especially now since we just got off the topic of the LGBT community. <clears throat> and sometimes a lot of those people could start to feel a certain kind of way because there are two uh, like two moms raising a boy, mm. so they could start to feel like, oh, that you know they're. Jay-Z is leaving us out of this conversation. How could he say that when Jay-Z's mom is lesbian? And yeah. all, So yeah. I just kind of want to stay away from that. We know just by men and us growing up that having a father is extremely important. And, and even, you know, women too. Um, and he's also speaking from experience. Yeah. It's not like he's grabbing, you know, statistics from mm-hmm. some book or Fox News. Yeah, he's not listening to the news <laughs> or you know, just following some trend. He's speaking from his heart. He grew up right. and his dad wasn't in his life as much as he wanted to. And yeah. that's how we literally felt. I think for him, you know, just because we realized that um it's a touchy subject when you're talking about the reasons why mm-hmm. these uh black people are getting killed and some of the people that did um, get murdered were completely innocent whether they're just selling cigarettes outside of a store or he yeah. just has a uh, well he wasn't a Trayvon Martin wasn't killed by a police officer but yeah. you know all these Security guard, yeah. yeah all these situations are different but me and you Eddie we talked about a lot of times where um, and we um, I think I forget what it was if it was a commercial or something but they always just talk about come home right you know you don't have to if the art, if a police officer pulls you over and he's in the wrong or whatever, just make your way to the house, live another day, because trying to argue, trying to be combative, um, you, you're never going to win. They're 100%. the one with the power. They're the one with the gun. So you don't have to feel like less of a man. You don't have to flex your toxic masculinity yeah. when it comes to dealing with police officers, because surviving is more important than anything. 100%. And we, that's what I think he was trying to say. And also they didn't show the full clip. Right. Was, it was a conversation. I believe he was having at some school and I guess somebody had their phone out and they were just recording it, but they only released maybe 45 seconds of it, probably intentionally because they yeah. knew that would stir up trouble in the yeah. black community. Oh, and get yeah. More people to, you know, talk bad about Jay-Z because people don't think outside the box enough to look, <gasps> look past uh, headlines or clickbait. Yeah. We're a society of clickbait. Like we love clickbait. We don't, when th- there could be a headline that says Jay Z slaps a five year old, right? Mm-hmm. And then they just say, oh my God, I can't believe Jay. They typing all this shit without reading it. And then you click, you click on the, on the article, it'd be like Jay Z high fives a yeah. five year old. And then people don't read it. Mm-hmm. That's what people, that people don't do that. Yeah. So, Releasing these clips, these sound bites, they don't do any good. Mm-hmm. So we need more context. Once we get that, we'll understand it. But from what I see, I don't see a problem with what he said at all. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to me. Yeah. I didn't see it, but as I'm listening to the conversation, like I'm such a, I, I guess I like to think outside of the box. So I've, can respect what it is he's saying, but I guess for me, at what point is what you went through and your childhood now an excuse rather than an accountability? 
because we're not I'm not going to go there about my brother and I's upbringing, but mm -hmm. we had a non-traditional uh uh I guess upbringing. 100%. And we could definitely fall into that uh fucked over, fucked up category and 100%. that's all you can be. Uh but my brother is a very successful individual. I have master's degrees and, you know, I have my own business and stuff, but we did not come from that. We did nope. not come from someone who, uh, where money was something that was strong in the home in terms of being responsible, how to make it on your own, how to save it. But we would not then, you know, and my brother's not someone who's gotten in trouble with the law or even been arrested, but we were kind of came up in some fucked up shit. Yeah. And so, to say the because my dad wasn't there because, yes, our dad was there. When he was there, he went, you know, to games and stuff. But this isn't something that we're shy about. Our father also was was badly on drugs. 100%. And that affected us in a lot of major ways. So he's out there slanging the very stuff that destroyed my brother and I's relationship with our father. Right. You know what I'm saying? So let's take accountability for the whole conversation here. Because I deal with kids on a daily basis. That's something I do um, outside of my art is uh, teach children. And you can tell they're angry about something. They're angry about something or somebody in the house. And the respect issue is not there. I'm going to tell you, I, I, will, I will whoop your motherfucking ass. You come up my face and be disrespectful as a child talking to an adult and a figure. That's the thing. People are not getting their ass whooped enough. People yeah. are not being held accountable. That's what's also killing people. I'm not talking about an innocent person and a cop. You know, they're in the wrong place at the wrong time. And that cop is scared or trying to make a point. I'm talking about individuals who accept no responsibility, feel that everything they say and do is okay and have no respect for authority. We can't blame that on a mother who's doing her best and giving mm. her all. Mm. You know, because honestly, we had a, a mother and a father and they're still both living, but we were raised by two and three of our aunts who 100%. are all women. 100%. And we are independent, um, contributing members of society. So let's cut the shit, you guys. Life's not perfect and we have to learn to make it with what we have. So if there's any bootstrappers or that's the one thing when it comes to being conservative, I'm with, get your shit together. Right. And take what you have. You either go to barbecue or mildew. I was told that so many times. You know, I went to school with people who had everything. Boosters Club, their parents had everything. Their, all their trips and stuff are paid for. You know, I was a driller. I played ball and stuff. But I didn't have the same money that the people that were with me did. But I didn't make it an excuse and say, oh, well, now it's my time to fuck up or be disrespectful because I don't come from much or my dad 100%. doesn't have this. So it's an accountability thing for me. I just look at things. Let's look at it in the totality. And I'm not here to diss Jay-Z because like you said, it was a 45 second clip. Let's hear the rest of it and then have a conversation as right. opposed to coming down the man's throat. But I'm telling you uh, that uh, all this publicity you guys are giving him is just really, if you hate him, you're really helping him. So just stop talking about him. Stop giving him <laughs> stop giving him all the goddamn attention if you don't like Jay-Z. Because guess what? At the end of the day, you have no right to be upset. One of the richest people in the motherfucking world, he can buy everything. So be mad if you want to. Thanks. That's all I got. Yeah, all right. I think one thing that uh, I've... <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. One thing that I've learned um, only recently is that this like hardship and turmoil and screwed up households are pretty normal, mm-hmm. right? No matter what ethnicity you are, no matter, you know, what culture you grew up in. If it's someone here in Bakersfield and they grew up in Seven Oaks, it may be something totally different than, you know, what we had to grow through, whether it's drugs, maybe there it's uh, adultery or, you know, just uh, a household that's extremely toxic or whatever, whatever the case may be. So we're all going through stuff. There's very few people that skate through life and, they have the picket fence and the dog and everything is peachy and they eat breakfast, you know, four square meals and they all sit at the table and their dad's reading the newspaper and the mom walks by and kisses them on the cheek. And that's very rare, no matter where you're living mm-hmm. at. So I think if we understand that, we can stop, like you said, we stop making excuses for ourselves because yeah. everyone is going through something. But some people are still becoming extremely successful. Some people are still able to avoid the law. Some people are still skating through situations and being unscathed so yeah you you really sound like a film director when you kind of painted that picture (laughs) (laughs) mother walks through kisses on the cheek like you were writing a fucking script i was watching it i was watching it i'm like what are we gonna do next what are we gonna do next I guess I can see the dog just fucking panting with his tongue all out and shit. <laughs> you got ba- bacon, eggs, and toast on the table. Oh my Mommy, goodness. where's my Capri Sun? <laughs> yeah, you know what? There's so many layers to this, though. Yeah. I-, I think that there are multiple things that could be true. Uh, another one is, like you mentioned, uh, it's not an excuse to you know disrespect authority, which mm-hmm. is 100% correct. Mm-hmm. But there's also the ideology behind it where you have... Um, uh, you know, black folks, you know, that have came from being water holes and treated like shit. And then they tell mm-hmm. their kids and those kids have kids and they're passing down this information. So there's a mistrust, like they don't trust the police from the, just from the jump. Mm-hmm. And that information is being processed by their children. So you already don't trust someone and there's no father in the home. Like these are all things that can be true. Yeah. And the end result is what keeps happening. Like yeah. my father told me about some traumatic experiences he had with the police, but I've been, me and Keith have been out and we've been pulled over by the police. I think at least a few, like two or two times at least. Mm-hmm. And they had to leave us alone because mm-hmm. my father embedded in me. Like when you see the police, you respect them. Don't talk over them. Don't speak unless spoken to. Like he's given me all these pointers. And as a black man, that's helped me. Now someone listening to this, you're going to say, Oh, it's not that big a deal. Let's be very clear. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not, there is an ideology that exists in police departments. Oh, he's black. Oh, he's guilty. He did something. And they have these statistics. Oh, one in four blacks have a valid license. Oh, every, you know, this and that. And that's why black, so many black people are being arrested for the same crimes. They're four times likely to go to prison for the same, no, for a longer sentence than their white predecessor, I guess you could say. Um, and what's is crazy to me, and it's just like, dude, people act like this shit isn't real. Mm-hmm. Like this shit really goes on. Yeah. Um, it's just that I was taught how to deal with it at a young age. And that's why I haven't been in any trouble. And I also respect authority, but I also know what I'm being fucked with at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're fucking with me, you pull me over for no reason. Ask me, hey, so where are you going? I'm like, uh, home. 
Mm-hmm. Like, oh, so uh, do you know Tyrone Jenkins? I'm like, no, man, I don't know who the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they ask you this shit because there's an assumption that you may be in a gang or you may be doing this or that. But regardless of what the regardless of what it is, don't feed into it and make sure you respect authority even when they're being disrespectful because you need to make it home. Yeah. There's like generational trauma too that's 100%. happening. 100%. And I know the situation, like you mentioned, dad mm-hmm. being messed with. I actually remember sitting in the car in the backseat, looking over and watching the cops literally beat the shit out of my dad. And when he got back in the car, he was literally deformed. And I remember um, my mother, it was my mother, my brother who was in here, myself were sitting in the car and I was in the front and they pulled us over. And um, I don't know if my mom's lights wasn't on or something happened, right? And the cop came over and was just like, ma'am. And it, I, I think it was more of a warning. And that's all he had intentions. I started going into, I was hyperventilating, like losing it. And I mean, for years, if I see a cop on the side of us, in front of us at a thing, I just automatically feared the police, the lights, everything about it. The situation was traumatic because when I see police and I see the lights, that that equates that somebody's getting ready to get beat down when in actuality that was a fucked up situation, Mm -hmm. but not every cop is bad. It took me a long time. My mother had to calm me down. It was so bad that the cop said, ma'am, just be careful, you know, make sure they're all in the safe belt. Good. You know, have a good day. Cause he didn't know how to deal with the fact that there's this little girl in the front seat, literally losing her shit just cause he walked up. He could have been trying to give us a damn lollipop, Mm -hmm. but I was, I was fucking traumatized. Yeah. You said it, you know? And, and here's the thing, even after that happened, our father never said nothing like fuck the police. They ain't shit. He didn't. He said, make sure you're doing what you're supposed to and understand who you are and that you're in America. And this is what happens. But he never said that every cop is bad. And so even though it took me years to get to that point, that's still how I feel. Mm-hmm. You know, I survived that trauma, but we passed down not only generational curses, but we tr- passed down trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the only way to do it is to change the narrative in the conversation. 100%. Yeah. 100%. One thing, um, this is a little bit of a tangent, but um, there's this idea that there's not really good or bad. Right. Mm-hmm. So the person that's maybe disrespecting you and he may be like 12, 13 years old, he may not necessarily be disrespecting you. He's just um, a funnel f- for the stuff that he's learning at home. 100%. Because mm. there's some kids that I used to work with that would cuss a lot. And, you know, you can't really, you're not supposed to cuss at school, especially around adults. And it would be certain instances where, one of the supervisors at the job will call a parent and be like, hey, your son is cussing a lot. He's mm-hmm. cussing at the kids and stuff. She'd be like, oh, that's all? And then she'd be like, yeah, that's not. <laughs> you're not supposed to be cussing here. This is a school. And mm-hmm. she's like, okay, yeah, just let me know when something else happens. And then that's the end of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So, the, like, everyone's upbringing is different. You know, even there is universal things that we believe is wrong. But, you know, in a, cer- in a certain household, that may be okay. From from our upbringing may be really strict, but someone else it may be okay for them to come back home after the lights are off, or cuss, mm-hmm. or I don't know, whatever, whatever it could be, drink when mm-hmm. you're eighteen, or whatever, it, whatever the case may be. That's I think that's one thing that we do have to realize, and I guess in that instance, it is up to us. Is not I'm not an educator, but you know, you as an educator or people that have authority um, in certain situations or places where kids are that 
are at, you know, outside of their home to teach them like right from wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Because oftentimes they're not getting it at home and it may be too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. So they're basically just a funnel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But here's the thing, though, like, you know, my brother, if you don't know, he is a law stickler for the law. Our conversations and arguments come from, did I follow the actual fucking street signs correctly? <laughs> and am I adhering to things? And, you know, the interesting thing about that, though, guys, is that laws and rules are put in place for a reason. Mm-hmm. They're for really universal order. So if in your household it's okay to cuss 10, 12 years old, if you turn up blunt and all that, and you know I'm not saying that's right, but that's your business, but if you come to a place of employment or education forum, whatever, and they have the laws, while you teach them and you um, practice freedom and freedom of speech and whatever, speak your heart, do that where that law or universal rule is acceptable. Don't bring it to the educational form or different stuff like that. And that's how some of the 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 uh, police stuff comes into play. Because we have people that think it's cool to challenge the police when the law is if you pose the threat or they can, you know, yeah. believe it's a threat, they can act on that. Whether right. you're 12 or you're or you're 200, whatever, you know, they feel threatened. And that the, the you know the definition of threatening is yeah. going to be, you know, yeah. kind of ambiguous, right? One hundred percent, yeah. So, yeah, you could, it was funny as you could hear the quotes without uh, her saying it, mm-hmm. like the way she said it. You could hear the quotes. <laughs> the quotes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like posing a threat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny how you you could really like hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, one hundred percent, I agree with you. Uh, we just got a lot of work to do overall um, as as people. Um, because cops are also people. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, they, they they do a job, but they're people. And mm-hmm. I think we should, gen, gen, like, generally have more respect for each other. Yeah. Um, and especially don't try to use certain situations as a scapegoat. Um, but we need to get more of the conversation with Jay-Z before we come to a complete thought. But we have an idea. Right. This is just more of an idea. Mm-hmm. All right. Switching gears. News anchor... Mm. What's he say? Lives. He called him a, a monkey, but basically a news anchor. There was. Can you explain it, Monica? You, you do a better job, actually, because you know more about it. Sure. There was an incident where uh, two uh, uh, co-anchors of a news station. I don't know which one, and we'll keep them. You know, I believe anonymous. it was. Well, the zoo was Oklahoma City. Okay, so the I'm zoo guessing was it was Oklahoma. It was. You're correct. So a news. A, a, a news uh, a station in the Oklahoma City market had a story about a zookeeper and um, I guess one of the monkeys there. And, you know, I, I can't even tell you what exactly the monkey did, but it was dressed up and they were talking. And at the end of the clip, they were just something about Mr. Monkey, this and that and the other. And then, uh, you know, you could hear the newscasters in the background talking and they were like, um, you know, closing up. And she says, yeah, that monkey, yeah, you kind of look like that monkey. <laughs> and when she said it, I could tell it was in a joking matter, maybe like a conversation between friends. But the way it was interpreted, you guys, it blew up the lines, their Twitter feeds, their Facebook. Mm-hmm. It was you know, I think it shocked him because the actual newscaster, for those of you didn't know, the male counterpart was an African-American male. And the it was a Caucasian lady, his co-anchor, who made the comment that he looked like a monkey. 
right as this this uh piece of uh, news was happening and so there was a conversation that took place and my question I posed to my brother earlier was was this apology uh the response was it basically was it just was it just due or did he kind of go too easy on her um personally I felt he did a great job at how he responded and there was a lot uh we'll punch in that uh that uh, sound bite, but uh, no, I felt he did a great job at how he responded. I, I think that uh, he didn't go crazy. Like he didn't, some people think that you should have a certain response based on the situation. And I think you handle the situation however you handle it. Um, I just think it was a teachable moment as he mentioned. And he also mentioned how powerful words are and being mm-hmm. as they are uh, news anchors, um, they words are a huge part of their job. And, you, if you're on the news, you research things and you have more of an idea of how these things may uh, affect people. Like mm-hmm. words are powerful. So I don't know how she didn't understand that that could be seen as offensive. Like I'm not one of those guys that's offended by everything. I feel like her her intentions were not to be offensive. I think that you know she probably talks and laughs with him a lot. If she had told him he looked like a monkey to his face, he probably would laugh and be like, hey, hey, that's not cool. Don't say it. Don't make sure you don't say that around people. Mm-hmm. But he, she never got the opportunity because she was just so not like literate in life. Mm-hmm. Like most white people know you can't go around calling black people monkeys. Like you, <laughs> I don't know if most white people know that. I mean, I've, ne- I've never been just dis- you're probably right, too. But I don't just hear. Well, I mean, this is on the news, too. I don't know how regular this is, but. Yeah, I, I think if we did take a poll and be like, is calling a black person a monkey racially insensitive? I don't know if everyone would actually believe that. I, that's true. Yeah, because sometimes I guess honestly, sometimes we can be too goddamn sensitive. Like sometimes. everything, yeah, everything. But I know that the uh, the 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 connotation with that over time, what that has meant to call African American a monkey, and I honestly think that when I listened to it, it had nothing to do with what they've called us over time or anything. She just was so insensitive, so removed that she thought it was okay. She was more oblivious than anything. More oblivious. But the biggest issue, if we don't even make it a racial issue, you got way too comfortable on air. You were trying to kind of take a punchline and make yourself kind of come across as light and fluffy. Unprofessional. And crack a good joke. You were unprofessional on the job. 100%. If nothing else. Because not everybody's going to get all up in awe about what was said. But I will tell you this, the, after I saw that package, when I saw the apology, the first thing I did was blow up my screen to see, does he actually look like a monkey? (laughs) Maybe that wasn't right, but it's the truth. You know, let's see if this allegation and I saw the Mr. Monkey and then I saw him and I'm like, well, you know, you know, a little bit of a little bit of monkey business. going Yeah. 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 Monkey light. Yeah. Monkey light. Yeah. So you a funny monkey now. Yeah, curious George over here. Yeah, yeah, and I I think that that's really what it what it boiled down to. What I don't feel, and you know, I'm kind of hopping on the Dave Chappelle thing. I don't think that every time something happens to somebody black or just there's a situation like right. this that the individual involved is 
is responsible for carrying the black torch. Like, yeah, we need to smash that white bitch and we need to tell her what time it is. And you know what? And if you don't, you need to do this one for the people. It's not about the people all the time. You know, and I have nothing against, I am a lot of different things of of blood in my ear, but predominantly I got that one drop of blood. So I am black (laughs) and I still just don't feel that every time something happens, it's controversial. We have to jump on the goddamn bandwagon and hold people accountable for starting a whole revolution over something that ain't that fucking serious because she apologized although I felt she victimized herself somehow and the fact that she's hurt someone else it wasn't his place to be like, yeah, you white bitch. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we, we, uh, I'm going to make this word up, but we kind of capronize people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just was It just was too far. And I feel like, you know, of course, on certain aspects, if you, when you hear the, the apology, you can decide for yourself. But I felt that sometimes taking the high road is the best road. 100%. And another thing too, he used what I like to call in my, my therapy sessions, the high, low, high. So when he was building her up and talking about how great of a friend she was and how they have a relationship outside of this and how he loves her dearly and even put his hand on her <laughs> leg, he also said kindly, professionally, bitch, you went too far. Yeah. Yeah. But, and tough. you need to just as a, just as a plumber uses a, a wrench, wrench as a tool as journalists, our job is to use our words as tools. Right. People are looking to us not only to use our words as tools, but to inform them right. and to unite a community, not divide it right. by the words that we said. And here's the thing. It wasn't like it was on the script. Now, script, call mm-hmm. this nigga a monkey. <laughs> no, it was something you decided to do. A hundred percent. That's that's really what the big deal was. So you were unprofessional on the job if all else fails stick to the fucking teleprompter if the prompter told you to do that then that person can get fired but you you're sitting on the grenade and then wondering why your ass is blown up mm-hmm. right there yeah. what yes. you got i think uh i got three points um <laughs> i have to say them in order so i don't forget so um one is that white people are sometimes not always racist but they're just culturally clueless 100 percent one thing I also want to do is get rid of this idea that black people look like monkeys. And then also like the third thing is I'm kind of with you. Like the way that they were editing the package, they showed his face and then they showed the monkey's face. They got the same skin tone. And those cheekbones, those cheekbones. <laughs> is that bubbles? Yeah. <laughs> you got fucking bubbles over here. <laughs> George, come here, George. <laughs> oh, oh man, yeah. but yeah, that like the the as far as the the whole black people looking like monkeys. I know there's a historical context, mm-hmm. but it's 2019. I think we have to stop giving these kind of things power, right? 100%. Because, like I said, we I mentioned before, I don't think white people are understanding of every racial undertone that goes on a hundred percent you know what i mean whether it's watermelon chicken all these things i don't think white people are researching like every single thing that black people get bothered nope. by nope right it, it, so i think like she she just had a mishap and it was stupid and you like you said she should have just uh, stuck to the script but i think we got to stop giving these things power because yeah. we're almost like re we're giving these things life when we're in an uproar about these things i think they could have handled it 
It's her. I don't think she should lose her job or anything. No, I think no, the guy handled it really well. And he just let her know, like, hey, you should not be saying these kind of things. And it's not funny. And also, you're not a comedian. So stick to just reading what's on the teleprompter. 100%. A question, though. Let's let's now let's flip it. And there was a uh, Polly, uh, the pigeon. Polly, Polly want a cracker. Polly want a cracker. And he says, oh, cracker. They're calling you, uh, ma'am. You know what I'm saying? And said yeah. that about his coworker. So they've said cracker, uh-huh. mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of a racial slur thing mm-hmm. in terms of white. And he kind of maybe, what if he said that, oh, they're calling you. Your, your bird's calling yeah. you a cracker. That would have, what do you think that the news would have been now? I he's a racist. That, it would have been a way bigger yeah. fallout. But he's, but we have to be culturally sensitive to know that, hey, you know what? We can't call people, go around calling people crackers. 100%. Mm-hmm. It's the it's, same energy. It's a touch me not. So it's kind of like keep that same energy. 100%. You know, because they'll be ready to crucify. It would be all over the place. Job loss, all these other things. There wouldn't be a teachable moment in a yeah. let's get on TV and do a public apology. 100%. Not only was this a teachable moment, but like I mentioned before, we're we're simultaneously learning and unlearning so many things mm-hmm. yeah. that as a culture, as white, black, Asian, whatever we are, we we aren't always cognizant of what we say. So we can be guilty of some of the same things we persecute people for. Like, okay, what's another one? Uh, the LGBT. We're still mm-hmm. trying to learn all the proper words and the wording mm-hmm. and what to say because we don't always get it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's something that we're learning and we're unlearning things. Like for, like, for example, I talked about back in the day, I would drop an F-bomb. And didn't and didn't real and I was doing it many times and didn't realize how offensive that was to the gay community. Mm-hmm. But as of now, being as I, I've I've unlearned that behavior, I'm I'm much more uh, uh, I'm more privy to the issues that exist. Now, like you said, white people don't sit around like researching everything that offends black people. But I'm sure that seeing this not only was a teachable moment, but they learned a lot more mm-hmm. from this. Mm-hmm. So we've seen the shit that happened. We can move on from that. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't be calling black people monkeys anymore. Yeah. Because that might get you fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I called this lady I saw, and I mean, she, you know, she wasn't dressed like super, like with a dress or anything like I have on. She looked just like a woman. And I said, Such and such, ma'am, could you do this? Or such and such, ma'am, can I help you? And she just looked at me like I was crazy and goes to the bathroom and comes back. And I was just like, Ma'am, is there a problem? Is there anything wrong? She says, well, first of all, I identify as a male. And I said, okay, so let's run this back. (laughs) First off, what's your name? Okay, your name is this. Okay, there's nothing here that indicates or says an F next to it versus an M. And if you identify that, I am not here to fight you. And I apologize that I have offended you. But you cannot. You don't have the right to get upset with people who don't know and understand what's going on, educate. So maybe that means next time I talk to you, either I'll give you the correct pronoun or I'll just call you by your first name, which is just subjective. I'm just a ma'am, sir kind of person, a Mr., Miss, or Miss person. And if you don't like that, you it's okay to make it clear, but don't come at me like I've disrespected you and I don't know you. Right. Like, you you know, know, don't misgender me. I'm like, I'm sorry, Amanda. You don't, yeah, yeah, exactly. Amanda. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Pun intended, right? <laughs> I'm just saying, like we we can't we have to make sure that we're not getting upset about 100%. things 
that we haven't even uh, ex- explained or we could right. see. Now, if you have one on here that says, please don't call me miss. I am a mister or I identify as something else. Then I did that. That might be kind of petty. 100%. I just think we all, that's a great point. I just think we all need to do a better job of realizing that we're not all on the same page. Right. We're not. So I'm not up this chick's ass about saying a monkey thing. She said it and laughed, but she's obviously this is the first time. What I don't like about her though is all the fucking waterworks. Like yeah. I'm so oh. sorry, but I didn't mean I didn't mean I'm offended. That's not that I want to apologize to all the people. Like it's like you put so much pressure on this white woman to 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 uh you know apologize to like the whole black community for something she did, and it's like, look, man, it ain't that deep. But it's some a lot of black people who are hypersensitive to this type of shit. Yeah. You know, me, I was laughing. Cause I could tell she's good. They're gonna fucking fry her ass. <laughs> so I was laughing like at chicken, it. Chicken, huh? Yeah, if, if, you know what I do? I'm I'm the type of guy that if you like, yeah, you look like that monkey right there. I'd be like, hey, 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 come here, come over to the side. Real quick. <laughs> okay. With me, you know, I might laugh or I might tell you something's not right. Don't do that anymore. Yeah. Like, don't do that. And it's like, oh my god, Eddie, if I finish you, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, don't cry. Okay. Mm-hmm. But don't fucking do that anymore. Because now what's going to happen is if you go outside and you try that with some other black person, they might fuck you up. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if, you mis, if, if you misgender someone, uh-huh. they might fuck you up. You know, and if, you're intent, if, you're in, if your intentions are to be intentional, that's one thing. But if it's not intentional, we also need to do a better job on both ends, not being hypersensitive and trying to educate right. people, mm-hmm. you know, so they'll learn. Yeah. And some females... With a lot of nigga strength in there, get your ass. <laughs> Be like, first of all, uh, yeah. Be doing what's what's the what's the uh, the those punch uh, when they when they punch you in the movies that little sound bite. Like, <laughs> so you can. Chungly. Oh my god. We need more icons because this mouth shit ain't working. All right. Oh my gosh, that was funny. All right, switching gears. Mm -hmm. Um wait, is there any other um animals that humans look like? Uh one is a monkey because supposedly we evolved from them. Two is I seen a lot of motherfuckers that look like a lot of shit. Yeah. Like what? I seen a motherfucker look like a toucan. Uh, damn. <laughs> you look like the Fruit Loops nigga. Anybody <laughs> with a big nose look like a toucan. Yeah. Okay. Or fucking Gonzo. Gonzo from uh was it a what's the show? Uh Sesame Street. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. seen a lot of motherfuckers walking around Bakersfield looking like uh, uh Oscar the Grouch too. <laughs> so what what about some Wolverines though too? Yeah. Any yeah. tall white girl look like Big Bird Big Bird. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are <laughs> Oh man! Not in that one. I didn't approve that. Yeah, I didn't approve. That, that was that was that was Keith. Yeah, we're just putting it all on rolling. Got any 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 tall white women? Stay away from Keith. He might start singing the Sesame Street song. It's probably some white girl like I'm gonna wrap my legs around Keith. I just show you what this big bird do. I just love it when he gets disrespectful. <laughs> Oh, this is horrible. Oh, man. Oh, jeez. All right, switching gears. Sometimes it's okay to do nothing. Come on now. Let me explain what I mean by this. I think that a lot of times we get caught up in 
always wanting, oh, we need to go to Vegas, man. Oh, man, we need to go to, we need to go here. We need to go there. Man, I can't sit around the house. I got to do something with myself. Let's be very clear. Whenever some of the most fun I have at 34 years old, <laughs> when I'm working all week and shit gets busy and, you know, stuff's just going 100 miles an hour, I get on, I sit down in my recliner, put my feet up, put on some Netflix eat my selective snacks mm-hmm. and I fucking enjoy myself mm-hmm. so, and sometimes doing nothing. It, it gives you, you could reset like, you know, you have to learn to enjoy your solitude because mm-hmm. we get too caught up in always wanting to be on the scene and always wanting to do shit. What's the last time you did nothing? Right. Yeah. We're moving at we're moving a hundred miles an hour all the time. And we think that that's how we're supposed to operate. Yeah. You got to dial that fucking shit back. Sometimes there have been times where uh, you know I know it's gonna be a little graphic. I don't want to talk bad. You know my sister's here, but there have been times <laughs> I skipped out on some pussy. Like it's just like <laughs> oh you know you should hang out tonight. Like we really need to hang out. You really we really. I'm just like uh, I'll let you know. Uh, yeah. And then I just totally turn on Netflix and I'm like I could get that another day if I want it. I don't. Yeah. I'm good. And that's important. Because we get too caught up in other people's shit and moving around, think of it. You spend more money that way too. You spend money, you're wasting money, you're wasting time. Get some rest, relax, and chill. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's better to do nothing. That's just my opinion. Yeah. What is that? Is that a, I think it's like an expression they use like behind the eight ball, meaning like you just kind of, you just kind of behind on everything. Right. I think doing stuff all the time always gives me that feeling. Like I feel like, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I overextend myself. I'll be like, yeah, I can help you with this. I can, you know, come to your store and help you. I can help you with your podcast, all this stuff. And then I realized after I said yes to so many things that I can't even, it's not even feasible mm-hmm. for me to do all these things. So yeah. just doing nothing on a Saturday or a Sunday is, is an, it's an amazing feeling. Because, right. you know, through the week, the, the week is usually the busiest part for everybody. So you know, you're just ripping and running through the week, especially you. You're on the truck all week. My God, and it's just a great feeling to. And it's it. You also feel better to just say no to things, right? Like mm-hmm. drugs. Yeah, <laughs> you don't feel like <laughs> <laughs> it is peer pressure, though. A lot of times, yeah, you know, 100%. it's not sim. It's not you know, not the same way people offering you drugs, but just people offering you to go to the club. Or I remember it was probably when I was around like 22 or 23 where I just stopped say, started saying no to going out and it felt yeah, so good. Right. Hey man, let's go to this party. Let's go to this party. I was like, nah, I just don't feel like going out today. And it was just such a relief to be able to sit home and Powerful, man. watch TV or whatever and know that I didn't miss out on nothing. All they did was dance and drink alcohol and then got a little sweaty and Probably went home and got an STD. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned real bad. <laughs> oh, somebody kill me. <laughs> Shout out to Eddie. He's an actor now. So, oh, uh, man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Had my acting debut. And right. Shout out to Keith for giving me that opportunity. Yeah. All right now. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Monica. Sorry about that. Okay. Um, doing nothing. So I... I'm originally from here, but I have now moved to Arkansas, and I am back in the city visiting family, family reunion weekend. Shout yes. out to everybody else Shout getting together to, with their family. Shout out to the to the Lowndes, the Lowndes clan. Woo woo! How you so, spell that? L Y O N S. Yes, but our family mascot is a lion, so okay. kind of plays off of that. But at mm. any rate, I have visited quite a few people. 
probably a little more active than initially I wanted to be, but some mm-hmm. of them were necessary. But I will tell you when I get, I have, you know, showed up at these places. If you ask me what I did, I mean, I've had some dinner. I've had some conversations. I've not been to a club or done anything extra special. Mm-hmm. Most of these places I could have thrown on a t-shirt and a pair of sweats. Mm-hmm. I've sat up and watched TV shows. Some of the stuff that I could have done back home, but guess what? Sometimes it's just okay to do nothing. Yeah. yeah, I will tell you, in spite of all that's going on right now in my life, and as busy as this week has been, I've even picked up a a, a mural job. I'm working on a mural right now for somebody. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, right on vacation, <laughs> I feel <laughs> so relaxed <laughs> right. because you know someone's like, "Man, you you got to do this. You got to do that." I don't got to do shit yeah. technically, right? And yeah. I and I and I love it. And it's like <laughs> when I go back, I'll think of all the different things I did. And none of it's been anything that's just super crazy. No amusement right. parks, nothing extra. But I feel so refreshed. Sometimes yeah. just stepping away from your day, your day to day, and taking that time to think feels amazing. Yes, hundred yes. yeah. percent. There have been times that I've stepped away from money just so I can enjoy myself at yes. home. Yeah. That's crazy. And and you know what? That's what's sad too, because I'm missing out on certain things. I'm sitting there counting in my head, like, okay, I could have done this and that. Yeah. But you know what? You know what? You want to be alive to make the money. You want to be right. in good mental health. Hundred percent. You know, I think yes. that that's that is uh, self care mm-hmm. is something that a lot of us do not really take into account. We don't. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's it literally can be the the difference between life and death. So yeah, one of my uh, uh, a friend of mine worked at a company like I think Social Security office or something dealing with uh, veterans, yeah. and a gentleman was at work. He literally died in his seat. What the fuck? This was like a month or two ago. Literally died in his seat, right? So he died in his seat at work. And, you know, it was a big deal. And people tried to call the ambulance. It was a big old deal. But the crazy thing is within a week or two, it was back to normal. He's replaced. People typing. Life is happening. And for, you know, somebody was so bad, they even ended up switching, changing, you know, uh, uh, professions. But that's got to fuck you up. That is busy and as important as you think you are. If I can give you a word of advice about this doing nothing. Is busy and as important as you think you are to any company, especially one that you do not own. If you were to die, quit, get fired, any of that, they will replace your motherfucking ass. Hundred percent. Nothing is worth your life. Nothing is worth dying. Hundred percent. Yeah. So you need to really take that into account because this man literally died on the job. He gave his all to his last breath. Yeah. On the job in less than two weeks later, it was like it didn't even fucking happen. Yeah. So what does that say to you about taking a minute to just stop and do nothing? Yeah. They have, uh, I got two stories. When I played uh, football, we were, we would practice, you know, and it would be like the scout team versus the starters. And there was this guy, his name is, uh, his name is Nate Jones. And he was a person that got injured a lot. So it'd be one play, he can, you know, come off to the sideline holding his wrist. The next play, he'll walk off holding his leg or something like that. So he had a reputation for for being injured. But um, one day, we one day one day we ran a play. He's playing like defensive tackle or something, and he just got smashed. And he's laying on the ground, like grabbing his leg, grabbing his leg. And the coach blows his whistle. He says, "Hey, move up ten yards." And then we ran the next play. Yeah. So it's the same, like the same sort of idea. So it's just like some people just just don't care. But also, there was a time, and we'll talk about this a little bit more um, 
next week. And it's, it, it helped me realize that I need to not overextend myself and just start mm-hmm. saying no to things. Cause sometimes you try to help people or things like that. So I was, there was this girl and she's, she's an artist. She sings and she plays a ukulele. And I seen her at this event that we were having and where I also performed. And I was like, Hey, we should, we should collab, we should collab on some music or something like that. And she was like, yeah, you got my number, you know, we can make it happen. So I, I hit her up a couple of times. I was like, Hey, you know, when are we going to get in the studio? And sometimes she would respond. Sometimes she wouldn't. And um, days would go by and she'd be like, Oh, sorry, I didn't get back to you. It's just been really busy. All right, cool. All right. I understand. You know, we're all busy people. Um, and then the next time she, uh, I asked her a question and I think it was like probably after that same text, I asked her a question and she didn't respond until days later, but her response was in the form of her needing help from me. So I was like, Oh, this is strange. Like, you know, you hit me up when you need some sort of help. And I was like, you know, I'm still a little bit understanding. Like I understand you're busy. Um, we can make it happen. So she was basically saying like, I know you wanted to make uh, music with me, but you should help me with this project because we're doing this. We're doing a remix at the library. We're remixing a song. It would be cool for you to, you know, lay a verse on the song and, you know, it'd be dope for the kids and stuff. So I was like, yeah, sure, we can do it. So I met up with her at the library. She goes over the song. She's like, OK, I can send you this little loop that I made with the guitar. And, you know, you just write your verse and we'll record it maybe um, a week later. Or so, excuse me. So I go to record the song everything's cool. And then the same exact day that I leave there, I get into an accident and my car is pretty much smashed and it's pretty much undrivable. And we were supposed to record the music video for that same song the next morning. Mm -hmm. And, um, all this happened. And then it was only then that I came to this realization that like, I should be more concerned about myself instead of like overextending myself to help other people. 100%. So the next day I, I, I messaged her in the morning. I was like, honestly, I can't make it. Like, you know, you guys are going to have to shoot the music video without me. And she was like, okay, it's okay. I understand. And then I messaged her again, maybe a week or two later, like, Hey, when are we going to make music? And I literally haven't heard from her since. Wow. Oh. So it kind of shows you like, you have to be concerned about yourself because most of these people in the world are only in it for themselves. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's what what can you what can I get from you? Yeah. You know, that's all it is. Scratch my back and fuck you. Yes, yeah. with them, what's in it for me. Mm-hmm. And I will say as an artist, you know, a visual artist, there's so many people that appreciate your art and what you do until it's time for them to come out their pocket for it. Oh. Um in addition to that. You know, and no disrespect to charities and nonprofits. I love you all. Um, I'm grateful for what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, a portion of my business or some of my funds will go to certain nonprofits. But you can't expect for somebody to give you something for free and there's nothing in it. You know, like stop offering me exposure when I bust my ass and I'm across the now I'm in I'm all over literally the world. So I think I have the exposure part down. I need the support and I need partnerships that, you know, a very wise person told me not too long ago. There's nothing wrong with donating your time or your services. That's something that you should do. But make sure that the people you're doing that for Mm -hmm. can win that free service or that freebie or that Mm -hmm. that discount or promos over that they could actually afford your service. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, also, too, you want to look at um, 
other people they partner with. Yeah. Because if the people that they partner with are also people that could afford your services in time, then that's what it is. You know, if you want to maybe limit it to two or three times a year, you do, you know, yeah. you do service with those people that it's just for the goodwill. Because yeah. I believe in that. Mm-hmm. But limit that because you're only hurting yourself because at the end of the day, they have nothing to offer you back. You know, you lost your car and stuff. There was nothing that girl could do it for you. And since you no longer were of value to her, she didn't call you anymore. But yeah. she took your verse. Yeah. But that's when it was beneficial to her. And and I know that myself being that big hearted person, that's where I've that's where I've gone wrong. So I'm just letting yeah. you know, any artist, any person with that, your your skill and what you went through. To, to attain that skill like you have a you know my brother talks about you all the time you have an educational background in this mm-hmm. you have experience in this stop giving up your time and services for fucking free because <laughs> at the end of the day they need what you have yeah and they can't get what they need without you or they can go find somebody else who's going to crack their head then they're going to come back yeah and, re- and and retreat to you anyway and so, like my brother said, stop acting shocked when people see your shit and they like it. They like it not because they're your friend or you're doing them a favor or they're pumping you up. It's because it's good. Yeah, it's fucking good. It's just fucking good. <clears throat> it should speak for itself. But that that's one of the things that that I learned, and it, it had it's helped me to stop spinning my wheels. Mm-hmm. You know what? As a matter of fact, I'm so grateful that you love my services or my art, my talent for you, you know, mm-hmm. my ability to, to lay a verse. Uh, but I have actually, I'm, I'm tapped out until the next quarter <laughs> of yeah. next year for my services. Um, you know, yeah. best of luck. Yeah. But if you're interested, I do have a package yeah. that I could share with you mm-hmm. um, to, you know, to have my services. Yeah. yeah. So and I it'll know. motivate me a little bit if you put some dollar signs on <laughs> yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, 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 because it's fun to do all this creative yeah. shit. But you know what? I can't call my uh, the person who manages my property and be like, man, I, I'm going to pay you in collaborations and mm-hmm. creativity. And you know what? This person said that uh, they like my work. So I'll be right. in there with that like my work check. Yeah. Like if you're a rapper, you'd be like, I'm going to pay you in these bars. Right. It's <laughs> not going to work. Yeah. About that. So that was a little bit of a segue, but it's, but it's, but it's part of the self care that I had to learn because mm-hmm. there will never be enough time to do all the good in the world. Yeah. 100%. Um, yeah. And so you have to pick and choose that. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm part of a, a few service organizations, but one last year I did a mural for the Boys and Girls Club, and it was one of the most fulfilling things for myself and for the kids. Yeah. And um, I don't regret it. It's something that people will see for years on. Or so, and 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 again, so much amazing things have come from that, and I didn't do it for anything that could have come back to me. Yeah. But you also have to remember to – to to not burn yourself out on great things too. Yeah. It's enough people in the world for us all to do our part. Don't yeah. feel you have to pick up everybody's slack. All right, man. Oh wow. All right. Thanks. Woo woo. I was just sitting back. I got too caught up enjoying the conversation between Keith and Monica. <laughs> I feel the artsy vibe. You know what yeah. I mean? And I, I I know that I know that struggle and I have a big brother that stays in my ear. I forgot he's actually my little brother, little Weddy, but he comes across as uh big brother dad and he tells me all the time, No, uh, how much they how much they paying you for that? Yeah. Right. Okay, shoot. Yeah, my thing is it's not so much I don't want to give away too much of our personal conversation but it's mm-hmm. more or less like you know embody 
the bigger picture like right. now because what's going to happen is is like you 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 once you start leveling up you can't be surprised at people that continue to love what you do right. they don't they're not like oh i support you because you're monica oh cuz right. if your shit was weak then nobody would fuck with it that's true yeah. you know it's it's about the art mm-hmm. itself and that sells itself yeah you know that's just basically how it is that's, i need a, uh, i was supposed to send you this video uh-huh. I don't know if you have time to watch it tonight. Uh-huh. It's a short film called, um, I think it's called You Need a Video or something like that. But it's about it's about a guy that does music videos, but it's really about artists and people, you know, even like um, <coughs> entrepreneurs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's it's that same idea of he's trying to shoot music videos. The rappers are like, yo, y'all pay you later. I'll give you your deposit later. And it's this like struggle between doing what you really love versus making money. So all these themes are sort of tied in there. And it's a really, uh, it's a really amazing, amazing film. Um, it's a short film. It's like 30 minutes. So I'll send it to you guys. That's mm. dope. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's definitely, that's like a real life story, man. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, switching gears, having children before dealing with your personal trauma. <laughs> yeah. And, and the reason why I brought this up is because, um, seeing it firsthand, um, I'll just give a little bit of a backstory, um, me and my sister, right? Um, first of all, it's no slight to our parents. You can't choose your parents. And also, a lot of people are growing with their children. They ha- they haven't reached where they want to be, but now children came into the picture. Yeah. And what happens typically is, is you know, with our mother, she is mentally ill. Um, I don't really mention it a lot just because I don't like to give away my personal life too much. Mm-hmm. But yes, my mother is mentally ill. She's basically aloof. I do not see my mother very often. I love her to death. At one time, you know, she's definitely my best friend. Um, but you don't really know how to comprehend these things as a kid. You know, it's just something that you kind of normalize, but you can't normalize these situations that really don't make sense. You shouldn't even be in the middle of them. You know, mm-hmm. uh, our father had a hefty drug addiction. Um and and in no way am I trying to guilt him or talk bad about him because he did the best he could. But when you when you're a person that has demons and you have kids, like what the fuck are you gonna do with that? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of a lot of people are having kids without handling their own shit first. And all of a sudden now you got this kid that you're trying to put out into the world, and you're you're dumping your shit on your kids. Yeah. And it's pretty fucked up, but this is the average American household. Yeah. Some some people, they had trauma when they were kids and they got older, they never dealt with it, now they dumping it on their kids. There's some there most people that walk around with trauma in this world, that shit was inherited. Mm. Yeah. You know, and this is just a philosophy of mine, but I really believe that. I think that a lot of the stress people have, a lot of the the insecurities, the, the inadequacies, and, and the fear of the police, whatever it is, a lot of that shit is inherited. And it's a form of, it's almost like inherited PTSD slash depression slash just, it's just fucked up. Mm-hmm. And as parents of the future, we need to do a better job of handling our lives before we create another life. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, My mom had my older brother when she was 16 years old. Like, you already put yourself in a hole by having a kid when you're in high school. And that's learned behavior from her mom. Right. My grandma had her first kid when she was like 13 years old. (sighs) 
So it's just like this this generational thing that keeps churning and churning and churning. And I think I think my mom figured it out. Like she, you know, she learned a lot from that and didn't have a kid again until she was like 21 or something like that. But just even that, like you're, you're just putting yourself in a hole. And, you know, there's a lot that goes on between the, the, the family dynamic and, you know, the dynamic between her mom and her dad. Um, there's a lot of trauma in there. And then just, you know, my grandma having so many, my grandma had, I think she had 15 kids, yeah. just so many kids. It's just, it's, it's just a situation that's not ideal for anybody to thrive in. You know what I right. mean? So that's, that's tough in itself. And then as far as my dad, I, he didn't really grow up with his dad. So there's this whole idea of, figuring out how am I supposed to be a father to kids? Right. And I don't know if he ever really figured that out yet, honestly. And um, it's just tough growing up like that. You know what I mean? You see like the flaws in people and, you know, as a kid, you, you think that everything is okay. And then you start to get older and you yeah. realize that this is not how you should, you know, this is not how to be a father. This is right. not how to, raise kids you shouldn't do this in front of your kids and stuff like that so as you get older you start to see your parents as people yeah and Mm. and you start to see those flaws when you're a little kid you're like you know you almost think they could do no wrong even when they're fucking up but Mm -hmm. you know as you get older you're like yo you're really fucking up right now Mm -hmm. you know and you see that and it's unfortunate but it's because there are things that they did not they did not develop into who they may have not, maybe who they have not developed in who they needed to be prior to having me. Mm-hmm. So it's not to slight, you know, slight our parents or anything. It's just the fact that it's more about us as a culture of people. Yeah. And how much we need to deal with first mm-hmm. before having the audacity to bring someone else into this world. Yeah. I think that's the true test of unconditional love, right? Because, when you're kids, you know, the love is probably the most purest that it ever could be. And then when you grow up and like you said, you realize that your parents are people then that's like a true test of, do you really love these people? You know what I mean? Cause the stuff that they're doing now is kind of crazy and you know, I don't approve of it and you don't like it, but do you really love, you know, these people? So I don't know. It's just a struggle. hundred percent. My standpoint, maybe from being, I don't know, just a woman, just I told you I look at things a little different. Um, I do believe if you have control over when you can have a child or you're cognizant and aware that, hey, maybe I'm not in the best headspace, maybe I'm not in the best financial space, I'm going to just do all I can to avoid this, um, then that's totally cool. But if Mother Nature took its course and I slipped up and I did the do and it and a and a and a little stork decided to visit me and drop <laughs> something off, I'm gonna do what it is that I can. But for all those mothers and fathers out there who tried and maybe even you feel like you fucked up, it wasn't your best, you know, even with our parents. We didn't we didn't we didn't come out with owner's manuals. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. We're not like something that you went through the Sears parking lot over in the heavy <laughs> the heavy appliances and they took it home with a warranty and shit that if it don't work out, you get to send it back. Fucking yeah. Samsung. Right. And shit. right. We're not a Samsung. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? We're not even a goddamn RCA or Ericsson. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Vizio. We, we Vizio. No Vizio. <laughs> what about that Hannah? Or what is it? That one that started with H? Oh no! It only Havana. It only come out for Christmas, a hundred dollars, right? <laughs> so we're none of those things. We don't come with owners' manuals, and I believe in people trying their best. But I do have a problem with people who try to impose or unintentionally impose their traumas on their children. Hundred percent. You know, it comes out. Um, it 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 comes it comes out, and you're basically perpetuating the generational curses. And you would just hope that someone would say, you know what? I kind of grew up in a shitty situation and I don't want my kid to do that. So let me try to be the best I can be. Whether 100%. that means going and getting mental health, um, getting your education, uh, doing talking to a therapist or someone to deal with your issues. Right. So that we don't have to have tissues talk about little Timmy, he didn't stand a chance. Yeah. Right. That's 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 really my standpoint, you know, because mm-hmm. I was sitting here as you guys were talking, I'm like, yeah. Mom and dad kind of could have really fucked us up pretty bad. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know what I'm saying? If if it wasn't for somebody else who picked up the torch, that's not always going to happen. Right, you know, 100%. It's, it's, it's not. But, again, we don't come with owner's manuals. There's yeah. some people, like in your case, you said your mother had your oldest brother at 16. She was still a kid trying to fucking grow up. Right. Right. How do you how do you justify how it goes? I know that some things are instinctual when it comes to parents, especially mother with child. but. Mm-hmm. It's still no owner's manual. Right, 100%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, you know, uh, aunt, our aunt's picking up the torch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll say this, not that, you know, not that I'm pretty, pretty sure she doesn't give a shit. Hey. She, she might not listen to this podcast, but if she does come across this, <laughs> I'd like to thank uh, my, my, my auntie net, uh, Valerie, mm-hmm. my aunt Valerie, man. I don't know where I would be if it wasn't right. for you, you know, giving me a roof over my head when, I didn't have a place to go or give me something to eat when, you know, I didn't have nothing to eat and being a, just a pillar in my life. And yeah, absolutely. Not, not only that, like she, I'm 34 years old and all 34 years of my <laughs> life, my aunt has been my emergency contact even fucking now. That is yeah. crazy. Yeah. She mm-hmm. is my emergency contact for my job or whoever. And it's it's you know I'm I'm extremely blessed for that. Yeah. Um. But I will say this though, in regards to uh, people not dealing with their trauma, uh, basically having children before dealing with their trauma, um, there are people right now that have kids and they're living their second childhood. They are 26, 25, whatever. But they they had the kids so early that they never got a chance. So you got guys that you know, are young and they got mothers that are young, but the mothers are still running around looking for attention all day. The fathers run around chasing pussy all day instead mm-hmm. of being a father. And this is affecting the kids big time. Yeah. I and, think, I think, um, that's a cut you off, but there's ahead. a lot of the thing that I see the most is there's, um, that stereotype of like the angry black man. And, um, sometimes this, this idea is true. And then you don't realize like, that it's, I think we realize it, but some people don't realize that it's coming from somewhere, right? Like I have friends whose grandparents or grandpa or whatever are just mean people, like, you know, just walking around cussing and that's just, and their family have that's, almost. That's called dementia. 
<laughs> My grandpa barks at people. Too. Wow! <laughs> they give you a warning before you go there. My grandpa barks, so I'm just letting you know if I can get in there. Might be well, Eddie. <laughs> I'm playing, man. Go ahead. No, but um, we realize that 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 all that comes from a place, right? So it has to have came from their parents or their grandparents right. to where they were abused as a child. They were probably beat as a child. They were maybe even molested as a child. And there are certain triggers that go off when you do something, when you're out too late, you know, maybe they'll get extremely angry and you get a whooping for being out too late. But right. that's only because when they were out late, somebody was touching them. So it's all like, I mean, we, we realize it now, but, Sometimes in a moment you don't realize it. And that's part of it where they don't even know that they have these triggers. They're just living right. life and um, yeah, subconsciously everything is happening to them and then they're, you know, taking it out on us. But I my mom talks to my grandma all the time, like, yo, you have to talk to people, you have to write stuff down and she can't even do it's too painful for her to even have a journal because of stuff that she's been through in life. She can't write it down without crying so she just has to close her book and like she's gotten a lot better now just because the stuff is so far in the past but there's still certain things that she can't really deal with whether it's like her first husband or you know just different men in her life a lot of her uh, issues come from men in her life and um, from her family and stuff and it's just hard for her to, you know, deal with certain situations. So. That, that continuous trauma. Yeah. And that trauma coming from, uh, you know, different men. Mm-hmm. It's almost, it's like you start to develop your own personal ideology. Mm-hmm. You know, like, this isn't right. This is this, this is this. But in, at the end of the day, it's just all trauma. And if it's not being dealt with, then you, I think that this has not been proven. So, you know, don't like quote me on this, but I think some people can go beyond therapy. I think some people can be so deeply wounded that therapy will have minimal benefits at yeah. some point. Mm-hmm. Like you, you're basically it's un, like not dealt with trauma for many, 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 many years. Yeah, and now you've became a product of not uh, dealing with whatever you were going yeah. through. You know, and I see that a lot. So far gone. Yeah, so far gone. Like mm-hmm. you're so far gone that there's nobody that can rationalize all the things you've been through. And then you, and basically, we'll kind of just loop this all in together. Um, people don't want to turn the mirror on themselves. And that's what therapy is. It's turning the mirror on yourself. It's not listening to somebody tell you, you know, oh, well, this is this. You need to do this. It's not giving you instructions. It's basically making you alert to the shit that's fucking you up and it has fucked you up past tense. Mm-hmm. And some people cannot even respond to that. Yeah. But here's the problem. These are the same people that have kids. Yeah. And we're the ones that are the recipients of that trauma. It may not be direct, like directly put onto us, but we're like, we're suffering some of the effects from it. Yeah. I was talking to, this one girl uh, over the weekend and she was telling me about um, her mom is really, her mom is really, um, she had her, her parents are really old, right? I don't know how old they are, but they're old compared to how old she is. She's probably in her early thirties. And um, she kept reiterating to me, like she has to 
she has to, she's doing a job and then she's going to school and she has like creative outlets. And then she also has to take, have to take time out of her day to take care of her mom who's suffering from dementia and she's just really sick overall. Man. And the one thing she kept reiterating to me is that she didn't ask to be here. Mm. So it was, I guess it was this sort of realization that she came to that, um, like, I guess, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but almost like having a kid is selfish. It can be, 100%. Yeah, because we're, we're, you know, just a little, little sperm floating through the ball sack. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then we hear a few, day, a few years later, so. You heard it first. <laughs> <laughs> so all you little spermies out there who made it into this world. <laughs> yo, shout out to sperm, yo. Shout out to <laughs> little sperm. Oh man, that's a new rapper. I'm a little sperm pot short and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> little Uzi sperm. <laughs> Can you imagine a new rapper with that name, little Uzi sperm? <laughs> I never wanted my part. Yeah, I'm wanted my son away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's, that's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Um. It to me, man, it's just there's so many layers to this. Yeah. This is a whole topic of conversation in itself, but it's a topic that I really don't hear many people talk about. Maybe because I'm not privy to it, mm-hmm. or is, is this something I really thought of too? Um. But growing up in it, I'm a product of it, but. The reason this is what I was thinking of. Me and Monica are rare in this sense because you can't. Some a lot of parents will live these lives and really not have you know their own shit together. I mean that from like a mental sense, they may not have their shit together. But some are do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. And with most people, you can't do that because the things you do have a direct effect on people. They see that and they replicate that behavior. Yeah. Whereas. I never touched a drug in my life because I seen my drug addicted father turn and say, hey, don't you ever fucking do drugs. Mm-hmm. Don't you ever do this shit. Don't yeah. ever do this. And that taught me. I also see my uncle go to prison for many years because, you know, he was selling drugs. So seeing all these things helped me move throughout life. I learned from example. I learned about mental health through my mother, whom I love very much. But seeing that she was talking to herself, that was something that I seen wasn't normal at an early age. Yeah. But having to rationalize this as a kid is trauma in its fucking self. Right. Yeah. I will say, too, um, and I am a supporter of and someone who does this. I have a therapist. And I think that uh, I've, I've had a feb- uh, therapist since around February. I just, within the last year, year and a half, I had a lot of trauma. And then several years back, my best friend passed away. And I just think that there was just this dark period. And I feel like, you know, not just in my family, but a traditional Christian family, everything's about God and having faith in God and um, taking your troubles and casting your cares on him and, you know, not having these dark thoughts. But sometimes, I'm sorry, shit gets real. 100%. And and whether it means you need to talk to a professional or you need to you need a outlet such as mine, it's art, you have to somehow get that out. Because 
even in a situation now, you know, especially when someone in the family maybe takes ill or there's an emergency in the family, people don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Because right. you're inciting their trauma, your trauma's coming up, and it's all this just traumaticness, right. and everybody wants to kind of just know it exists, but it's like that 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 elephant in the room that we just keep moving around. Right, that's not you how know? you fix it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's what I wanted to get on. And that's- so, I mean, with my therapist, I remember I had a different one, and I had to change due to some things. And uh, when my new therapist came in, guess yeah, I read my notes, sat down, and said. Looks like we got some trauma over here and some anxiety, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we went straight to the middle. And the one thing about him, no matter what, I can go straight to the gutter on him. I can tell him, you know what? On a scale of 1 to 10, I feel about a 2 today, okay? Um, based on the work you gave me last week, I feel like I went from a 2 to a 1.5 today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny because the world sees, especially me, as this motivational, happy, almost black Topanga you know, guru of, of of love, peace, and happiness. But I have my own shit going on. 100%. And, and a lot of times we can't even tell our own friends because they have enough things going right. on mentally. Yeah. You know? And I'm, I'm someone who wants to be in a healthy relationship and wants to have healthy children. But that starts with my personal health. Yeah. You know? 100%. Not just what you put in your body, but it's also about what you release. Yeah. I think we're all backed up because we want to keep in shit. It's like a badge of honor. Yeah. Yeah, man, I'm hurting inside. I feel like I want to kill myself and I'm hella depressed. But you know what? I'm going to keep that to myself because yeah. that's the shit I should do. And that's what's going to make me stronger internally killing myself. Right. No, get that shit out because yeah. guess what? You'll figure out you're not alone. You'll also figure out holding on that to that. You're just causing toxicity within you. 100%. So, so now when people bring that bullshit to me, even my own father, my friends, whoever, I say, hey, you know what? I'm in a good space or I'm not in a great space and I'm trying to get there. But listening to this toxic shit and taking it in, I can't take that. Yeah. You know, if you need some help, I know an amazing therapist. Here's his number. That's growth, I think. Sometimes I would hear people talk about I have a um, there's a lot of like negativity that, you know, goes on in a lot of people's family and a lot of just talking behind people's backs. Right. So sometimes like people bring that to you and I have to let them know, like, honestly, I just don't want to talk about that right now. Right. And then that I think to me that shows like, you know, that's like a form of becoming an adult. And they have this look of shock on their face. Yeah. They don't even know what to say. Like, oh, oh my bad. Yeah. <laughs> and then they want to almost argue with you. Like, I've had people come back and you know, oh, so I can hear everything you got to say and what you're talking about. But then when I want to talk, I got to be quiet all the time. <laughs> well, if you had some more positive shit coming out, I'm sure right. I'd listen to more of what you're talking yeah, about. But right. you're Charlie Brown. Rum, 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 yeah. rum, 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 rum <laughs> with me right now. People, people are like fucking dumpsters and they want to dump their shit on you. Mm-hmm. And... I don't like it when I'm in a positive space. I could be somewhere enjoying a beer, having a conversation. You know, I remember some people, let me take the dumpster uh, analogy and put it away. That's one. People are like anchors. They will pull you down. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been on a date before and I got a text that just really put me in a bad place. And I just turned my fucking phone off and proceeded with my date. Mm -hmm. I've been driving and I get a call that really just drains me. And I'm just like, fuck. Mm -hmm. Like, you couldn't deal with this shit yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the problem with that, too, is you really have to take ownership. That's the number one thing. Because you might be talking to a person like, I'm so pissed off. I'm so I'm so depressed. But your friend is thinking to herself, like, motherfucker, I just drank poison. I just tried to kill myself, <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, you know, like you never know what's going you on. You never know, man. That, yeah, that's why instead of dumping your issues on your friends, you should just dump them on a person that went to school eight years and sat through a bunch of classes and mm-hmm. certified. And most of them sit in in front of somebody too because that's a lot to take in. So, yeah. old Monica would have been the person that you could call my phone, tie my line up for hours talking yeah. about you and your shit. Yep. These mm-hmm. days, first off, between the fact having a couple businesses, always busy, um, and just really not having time, be like, hey, hey, before you start, I mean, no harm. But I got a lot of shit going on right now, and I know you do. But I'm not the I'm not in a space where I can where I can carry us both right now. Yeah, right. I'm being honest That's about good that. Stuff. And 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 and, it, and it's a place from honesty. I think the way that I've been able to heal, not just through my heart, through my art, but through recognizing that my heart is a is a fragile piece, and I want it to stay up on the mantle as long as it can. And I can't have people pulling mm-hmm. on my shit and allowing it to drop and shatter. It. Just because, you know, they can't handle they can't handle their own shit. Yeah. Because what happens? You know, that's what I'm saying. I give the analogy of driving in a car. Mm-hmm. Just driving in a car. You got all these people who will load in your car and roll with you. But when your shit runs out of gas, nobody's got gas money. Instead of helping you either push the car or putting something on gas, they get out and go find another car to get in. And there you are left depleted with no gas. Mm-hmm. Right. People will ride with you. And ride your coattail until until there's nothing left. Yeah. And then, like you said, you know, you did all that stuff for that individual. But when it came time where you were just really, just really wanting a, from some feedback, a return, nothing came back. She rode with you in in that car, took all your gas. And I got a Lexus, so that's premium. So I'm extra <laughs> pissed. You know what I'm saying? So you didn't roll out all my premium gas and you've gone on. You know, and I learned that I just I just stopped taking on passengers right now. Mm-hmm. You know what? Let me cruise myself for a while. You know what? The biggest issue I have too is people when they dump their shit uh-huh. and they don't they they have a lack of transparency. So mm. when you're angling this shit like, oh, this happened, but blah blah blah, but you're leaving out the fact that you basically fucked it all up. You're, right. you know, it your fault. it was your fucking fault, and now you want to dump this on me, mm-hmm. and I'm supposed to be supportive? No. Go get your shit together or find somebody else to talk to that's also full of shit yeah. so you guys can be full of shit together. Absolutely. I'm not the one. I, I think as a man, especially now, I take ownership for my shortcomings because I'm still trying to get all of my attributes up. You know, um, in life, I think we're stronger in some places. I'm trying to balance it all out. So I know and I'm cognizant of what I need to work on. But when people call me or talk to me and they ain't got their shit together, it's really annoying. And it's mm-hmm. it's also very stressful when you're a person that it's not like you're a perfectionist. You're on the same level as them, actually, except you just recognize what needs work. But them, they're just blind to the facts. Mm-hmm. It's like, motherfucker, leave me alone. And you have to watch out with the energy you share. So, like, right. you know, I've been in relationships where I decide, okay, I'm going to get therapy. I'm going to do this and that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to work on myself, mm-hmm. mind, body, and spirit. And there may even be things they complain about, but they ain't doing shit to work on themselves. Mm-mm. So then you, there's an imbalance here. 100%. You know, you want to hold on to your trauma while I'm working on mine. And mm-hmm. then, the, you know, we're not even two people at the end of the day when we come out on the other side. Man. So it's a, it's, a, it's a joint effort. It doesn't mean you have to go together, but you do need to be working on yourselves in tangent. 100%. You know, because all you're doing then is retransferring the trauma. Yeah. You've done all this work and then you go back into this toxic shit mm-hmm. and only one of you is 
is working on yourselves. Hundred yeah. percent. But there's, I think there's a correlation not only uh, to in the dating world, but just in life. The people mm-hmm. that you that you commonly deal with, like right. people that are actually working and doing things and moving in the world, you're more likely to be in that bubble. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing in the dating world. I'm not going to date a woman and take her serious when she's not doing anything in her life. Like there's no growth. She just run around here being cute without shit else going on. Yeah, I like to deal with people that have substance. Yeah. So when, if you have substance, then it's going to work regardless if it's from a professional or like from an intimate level. I just think that all these things kind of intertwine in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's healthy. But mm-hmm. I think when you start to create this healthy bubble and you got the bad shit, you got to start blocking that bad shit out. Yeah. I think, you know, we we mention all of this about uh, like mental health and staying away from negative energy. Um, but we didn't even hit on the biggest point that all of that physically affects us. You know 100%. I mean? Like dealing with stress all day is tiring and it could literally have, you could get ulcers, yeah. hair falling, all kind of different things that can, you know, physically happen to you yeah. all because of things that are, people are not even touching you or tangibly, you know, doing to you, but you're just things that you're seeing, things that you're hearing. It's, it takes a physical toll. It mm. definitely can. And it's, look, I'll, because we're about to close it down here in a minute, but um, on that note, if you are a person that's dealing with shit and you have kids in no way, shape, or form, is this like a slight to you? But get your shit together because what you're doing is you're bringing trauma into your home where your children live and you don't even realize it. And that's something you need to work on. And I'm talking as a product of that. And I'm blessed that I had a network, my aunts, my sister, um, Keith, his brother, his mother, who his mother also had took me in at one time when I didn't have nothing, nowhere to go and nothing to eat. I had a network of people who gave a fuck about me. I and used to th- change Eddie's diapers. Uh, Keith, shut the fuck up. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Had a real deep moment and it's over. <laughs> Back to our regular schedule programs. <laughs> oh, man. That was just a drill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To make a long story short, I was more fortunate because I had a network of people who gave a shit about me. I'm not, I'm not right. some success story, but I'm a person who's, who's thriving and being, and, and I'm in a better place than I was or mm-hmm. that I've ever been in in my life. I can say the same to about my sister. And it came from having that network. A lot of people don't have it, you know? And a lot of times, you, a lot of times when you're fucking up as a parent, a lot of people gave up on you and your children don't have that network. Mm-hmm. So, because everybody gave up on their ass. Yeah. And it's a generational thing because I mean, we, one thing, you know, we don't talk about more so on our father's side. I mean, he was literally left on a dirt road, you know, he was given up on Yeah, someone else raised him. They right. raised him. I feel the best that they could. But I think the fact that there was an absence of the father and 100%. feeling and feeling like rejected, yeah. uh, you know, I had to take a step back and learn that, the way sometimes people receive love is also the same way they give it, yeah, you know, right. you know, cause I had somebody, I won't mention their name, but I had a very long conversation with this individual family member. And they said, Monica, I think the issue that we have in terms of gelling is 
your expectation or what love looks like to you is not what love looks like to me. And it can't look that way. You're loved, but you we don't understand the same type of love because what you're looking for, I didn't receive. So I can't give that to you. 100%. Sometimes sometimes love to people is fucking trauma. Yeah. Because it wasn't up. real love. Mm-hmm. If you ain't going to punch me in my face, you don't love me. Yeah, and, it, and, it, and it's sad. That's what some, you know what? And the Oscar goes to. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I like to thank that nigga that beat my ass. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. All right. Let's go ahead and wrap it up. But before we do, uh, Monica, can you give everyone your social, your soul, excuse me, Mocaso, can you give everyone mm-hmm. your socials? Okay. So on Instagram, I'm Mocaso the artist. Mm-hmm. That's M O K A S S O the artist all written together is it any underscores no not there um ran together okay so on twitter i am uh i am mikaso i am in m-o-k-a-s-s-o on facebook my business page is the mikaso experience ltd co and that's where you can see all my art and my pop-up shops for my store, as well as my uh, mobile paint company. Um, very grateful to be on the show, guys. You guys, it was amazing energy tonight. 100%. thing I wanted to comment on, you know, I'm also a fan of the show. You know, I understand he's my brother, but like he said, that sometimes things just, they're good. They stand alone. You know, mm-hmm. I listen to your show when I'm cleaning up or going on long trips. You know, because you guys can go from some comedic shit to very inappropriate, but then you can go to <laughs> to really talking about something mm-hmm. of of serious con of content. And 100%. I told my brother that I wanted to comment on this real quick, guys. They um one of the shows that I really like is when they did a breakdown of the movie Get Out, mm-hmm. and they talked about all the parallels and symbolism, such as the hands of holding hands, the hands across America and the significance us. of the cotton. Yeah. Uh, and it was us. Things. Oh, uh, excuse us. me. Yeah. What did I say? Get out. Get yeah. Out, but yeah. I mean, it's the same. Yeah. Pretty, same. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it. same. Yeah. Same producer, wrong movie. <laughs> the point is, is that I listened to it and these are extremely intelligent um, men, not just from Thank an you. educational standpoint, but they are well-versed. They, they actually read mm-hmm. and they have an opinion and something to say. It may not come out the way that you're expecting it to, but I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate the political incorrectness. Cause I think sometimes people just want to hear shit for what, it is and you know being a having a background of a professional journalism i'm just glad i could say shit fuck 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 shit and not hear the poop you know i really appreciate yeah. you guys for having me and it's been a pleasure 100 percent, man. this is real life man thank you all right mm-hmm. well if you made it to the end of this episode we appreciate you mm-hmm. episode 75 thank you for listening to the truckers mind podcast i'm eddie mcgee it's your boy k things we out of here peace